The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. How about that? You should have been pulled in the front for they have faith in you. You should have been pulled. It's time for another edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. Head on over to rotofanatic.com and check out the latest fantasy baseball information, including a new article from Carmerano about the fastest barrel in the West. It's episode 59, the Todd Jones edition. In honor of today's guest, he's a Tigers fan, and you know him from The Sleeper and the Bust, and for his passion for MLB The Show. It's a borderline celebrity today in the fantasy baseball community, Paul Spore joins us to talk about fantasy baseball. Join your hosts, Christopher Deary and Michael Govier, as they talk with Paul about who's the better Texas comedian. Who's going to break out in 2021? And the latest on the Trevor Bauer signing with the L.A. Dodgers. Take it away, boy! You are tuned in live to the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you aboard for another edition. It's episode 50. Nine. That's correct. I'm Michael Govier, your host, along with my co-host Christopher Deary. Chris, how's it going today after the snow we got last night? Okay? Things things are great. I was just telling Paul I'm waiting for some kid to knock on my door so he can shovel my driveway. I feel terrible because the mailman already came and he had to dredge through like five oh. inches of snow. So I'm that <laughs> dick. You're not. Wait, 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 wait. You don't do your own driveway? 
You're not I'm 80. Just not, well, just not yet. I'm, I got the day off today, so I'm trying to enjoy myself. I don't want to I don't blame him. I support this move. Wait for some <laughs> kid, otherwise you're trudging through it. Oh, mailman. Boy. Way to work wow. today, mailman, you idiot. <laughs> It's really well, the mailman's fault, if you think about I think it. Ma- that's not cool, dude. I think Maddie Davis would take offense to that as a uh, fellow mailman. Or Nathan Dockin, too. Also mailmen. Not cool. Mailmen work hard, and I support all you mailmen. But the voice you're hearing there is of our guest today. That's right, another guest. It just never ends. We're trying to pick everyone's brains, give you guys as much information as we can before the season starts. Before I introduce him, don't forget Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Two L's, two Z's. Give me two. Never forget that it's important that we connect with you guys and grow the audience and the brand and the community so we can learn from you and exchange ideas and hopefully make all of our teams just a little bit better. Now, today's guest. You may know him from such things as the sleeper and the bust. By the way, I, I always used to do this dumb thing. Whenever I listened to The Sleeper of the Bust or I heard the name of the pod, I'd always go, The Sleeper and the Bust. I always thought of this cartoon. <laughs> like every the Pinky time... and the Brain? Yes! I yes! love it. I love I it. I did that all the time. The Sleeper and the Bust. Yep. Uh, it's just in my head, and it was really dumb. But, hey, that's okay. Anyways, yes, he's known for The Sleeper and the Bust. He's also known as kind of like, uh, I don't know what we call it, like the, the show's like, Console, a consultant of MLB The Show, a guy who is liaison, a liaison. Okay, that's good too. Yes, he's he's known for that. He loves the show just about as much as anybody. He's become a part of the show in a sense too, which is really wild. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct pleasure to give you the man, the myth, the legend, the only guy that we know of in the community who's as big a diehard Tigers fan as we are. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Paul Spore! What an intro. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate y'all having me on. Hell yeah! Are you kidding me, man? We're stoked. We're stoked to have you aboard. We've been wanting to do this for a while. Not that our other guests are not important, of course, but... Oh, yeah. You know, we want to talk some Tigers with somebody who knows what they're talking about. So that's going to be fun. We're going to do that on today's show. Very excited about that. We also got breaking news while we're doing the show with Trevor Bauer officially signing with the Dodgers, so we're going to comment on that momentarily but first paul what's one thing about you we should know beyond baseball can you tell us one thing Mm, one thing you know i'll share something that some people know but it's it's from yesteryear i used to be used to be a a wannabe stand-up comic in in college and i got (laughs) to open for um, I got, I won this like contest at the university of Texas, uh, me and two other people, we got to open for Jimmy Fallon when he was like, you know, the big dog on SNL, which was, which was really cool at the time. And I, I don't, wow. uh, you know, I don't harbor, uh, you know, negative feelings toward him as the talk show host. I know some people really dislike him as a talk show host, but I always enjoyed that. And he was, he was, he was like, he kind of big timed us, but like in a way that was like expected and not too rude. You know, just kind of like I'm, I'm Jimmy Fallon. It's like, okay, now we get it, we get it. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. And then I got to open for Daniel Tosh at our local spot. Um, Daniel Tosh, when he, oh, yeah. Wow. When he was having a, a set one night. Opener didn't show. Two of us got to get. Two of us, you know, uh, open micers got to go up, and that was pretty cool too. So that was before Tosh Point. Oh, that was when he was doing Taco Bell commercials. But he was like, <laughs> he was like 
coming up. But yeah, so that was cool. I, I used to love doing that. I was in a funniest person in Austin contest. I got into the semifinals. So yeah, it was. Uh, I, I used to love it. I, I really wanted to become a stand-up comic. I don't really know why I stopped, but it was a lot of fun. Wow. I'm I think I didn't want to do the road. I didn't want to oh. do the road, I don't think. I, which, I mean, you have to if you're going to become a stand-up comic. Like, that's Yeah, which no longer it. exists, which is kind of weird. Now. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't even fathom somebody who was, like, coming up in like, you know, started popping off in 19 and thought 20 was going to be their year, and then everything gets shut down, so that'd be tough. But, uh, yeah, it was great. I loved it. It, it was always always a dream, and I at least uh, pushed the dream a little bit down the down the road there. Well, Paul, start working out a set, and next time we have you on, you can do a quick five, six minutes. <laughs> done and done. I'll work on my tight five for the next uh, next appearance. <laughs> yeah, well, wow, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. We have TGFBI announcements today. They're rolling out as we speak. Deary's announcement came out. We're going to talk about that. We got the Trevor Bauer signing, which seems to be official with the L.A. Dodgers. We'll chat about. We'll break down some. Goofy stuff in Enrico's Inquisition. Find out more about Paul beyond the stand-up career that never was. Take a look at some ADP conundrums. And we got Paul's breakouts, my breakouts, Deary's breakouts. We got a breakout segment. Who are going to be the breakouts of 2021? That's going to be a segment you don't want to miss. We'll talk to Paul more about his fantasy focus. Shine to ride the pine, listener chatter, and then we'll get the hell out of here. That'll be the show. Don't forget, you're just as important as everybody else. So please. Support the show, and we'll support you. We really appreciate it. We got a comment already from David Mendelson that says that Spore is the best guest or one of the best guests he ever had on a show. Isn't that so sweet? It's really nice. That's really nice. I got to send him that check that I owed him. Hey! <laughs> there it is. Yep. <laughs> uh, of course, we always like to do some housekeeping before we get on with the show, and that's where we cue the uh, Belvedere music. He's, he was a housekeeper. I consider him a he housekeeper. Was. You know, He's he, a butler. Oh, he's a butler. It's like the male term, I guess. I don't know that housekeeper should necessarily be female. I'm not trying to be sexist. Mike, I didn't even realize the baseball connection was over here. It's Euchre. You got Euchre. The Euchre, baby. Man, people cannot understand how big Euchre was. Doing the beer commercials, the less filling tastes great, Miller Lite stuff, and then being on a sitcom, man. Bob Euchre was everything back in the 80s, man. Now people just know him as, you know, great lovable announcer, kind of at the twilight of his career. But dude was, he was on, was he, was it Carson that he was on all the time too, or Letterman? I can't remember. He had a really good relationship with one of them. I want to say it was Carson, and I want to say he was on all the time. Wow. Yeah, he was a monster in the 80s. There's no doubt about it. I mean, so much. Even so, that's like a little he, older for me, the, the Carson stuff. I think I remember him like a, a little um, MLB Network did a documentary on him. Yeah. And I think they talked about that. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, you know, he, he was so popular, like you said, that they put him on a sitcom. It's really <laughs> kind of weird. Imagine like, uh, oh, geez. I don't know. I'm trying to even think who that would what's be. The, yeah, what's the equivalent? I mean, because was he announcing then? See, I don't know. Would I it don't be think like. He... I don't know when he started announcing for the Brewers. Was that 90s? Would it be like if at, a few years after he retires, like Derek Holland becomes super popular? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, he's always like goofing on his interviews and whatnot. And like, I, I don't I don't know. There's not an equivalent. It's just wild to think that that's what, you know, Bob Euchre, awful player. And by his own admission, you know, always clowns himself. 
was not a particularly strong player, but played for many years, always was beloved, then just became this cultural icon. Right. I think After, it's so like, yeah, I guess it couldn't even be Derek Holland. Derek Holland was probably too good of a career. It'd be if Jeff Mathis <laughs> was like the funniest dude. You know, not in the world necessarily, but like just a hilarious dude. And we find out Jeff Mathis is amazing. And he goes on Fallon and he's like, <laughs> you know, Spore got to open for Fallon. I'm on Fallon. I'm Jeff Mathis. And then you That's just talk right. about his badass defense or something. I don't know. That's about the equivalent of what it would be because Bob Euchre was really bad. <laughs> this so is the point weird. I'm trying to make. It's such a unique path. You're right. There's nobody like him, I think. Now no. that we're really digging into it. Bob. No, sorry, I didn't mean to take us on that tangent, but uh, yeah, that, oh, uh, that no, is the no, baseball no, no, connection. No. And I watched a lot of Mr. Belvedere, and, you know, that show probably sucked, let's be honest. But what was the kid's name? You remember the kid's name, guys? The son? Jonathan? Wesley. Wesley. If anybody says somebody named Wesley, I instantly go, <laughs> Wesley. Because that's what Mr. Belvedere would always yell. It could be some, you know, the one only one I can think of right now is Wes Matthews, Wesley Matthews, basketball player. Someone says yeah. his name, I'm like, Wesley. And like <laughs> one person out of like 50 will get it if you're in a group. But that yeah. one person, they'll be your best friend because they'll get the Belvedere reference. Anyway, I derailed the segment. What were we going to No, we're good. I think, I think it, we're all due for a, a rehashing of some Belvedere. And <laughs> I'm going to go look for some episodes episode. tonight. Yeah. That's how you meet people you can really connect with, those little tangents. You find you exactly. put something out there, and whoever nibbles on it, you know, hey, that's my kind you know, of person. That's, I want to that's know my that. person right there. Exactly. Yep. Yes, these little things. But we also love tangents on this show, so please don't worry. It's Okay, perfect. It's a common phenomenon. Uh, let's try it again, though. Here we go. The Belvedere music for the housekeeping I wanted to get to in the first place. Real quick, shout out to Daniel S., also known as... Daniel Fox on Twitter with two X's. So got to know him last night on Zach Waxman's Draft Champions podcast, which you can listen to with me, Eric Cross, and Zach talking about our Battle of the Podcast draft and some prospects that you can target in redraft leagues this year. It was a lot of fun. Really, really relaxed atmosphere that Zach created, and I had a great time. Eric Cross is a great dude, too. Daniel, it's good to meet you and good to know you. And that's it. Just wanted to give a shout-out to that show and everybody who was on it. Thank you very much. That's our housekeeping food this part of the show and that will lead us into our next segment which we call leading off so in leading off we get to the news of the day or we try to get a topic that we kind of intro with. But clearly, Trevor Bauer signing with the Dodgers is the most pressing news of the moment right now. And we kind of lucked out that we did the show on this day at this time that it happened right here. So we can get, like, our brains are fresh. This is going to be the freshest take we can have, <laughs> which might not be the best thing because maybe we would have a more researched opinion later. But I think we've all been kind of waiting for Bauer to sign between the Mets and the Dodgers for the most part. So, Paul, instant analysis on... Not one of the most lovable guys in baseball, but yet he does produce. So what's your take on this deal here? Let's be honest. The uh, the Mets fans knew they were toast the second that uh, Bob Nightingale called it for them. I mean, that's the kiss of death right there. <laughs> they knew at that point they had oh, no chance Bob. at him. It's the second that he called it for the Mets, they're out. Tigers had a better chance at that point. Um, you know, so it comes down to these two here, two big spenders. Now Matt's really, really stepped up to the degree that they said that they were going to, we're going to spend, we got Cohen, et cetera, et cetera. Even though he was run off in the, uh, in the whole GameStop thing. Um, 
you know, they're still spending good on them. They've had a great off season, but the Dodgers come in, flex their big boy shoes and say, you know what? We're going to go ahead and get this guy here. And we're going to move Gonsolin and May to out of our rotation at this point, right? Cause it's going to be Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, Urias and price at that point with May and Gonsolin just as reserves. How is that even fair? They're probably still going to bring Mr. COVID Justin Turner back as well. Like <laughs> unbelievable. Um, you know, rich get richer for sure. It's got to be a little deflating. If you're a Padres fan, you should still be very excited about what y'all did and, and everything that's setting up. I still think they have a chance. They have a puncher's chance to win the division, but they're really looking to get in via the wild card and kind of take it from there. Uh, Cause the Dodgers, I mean, they were already, they were already still the favorite even before Bauer. Obviously this, this adds to their power. Um, and if they sign Justin Turner again, that's another, another piece on top. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a good fit. Obviously. I mean, when it goes out to the Dodgers, I don't know that they're going to let him do the four days thing uh, that he was talking about, but it, it, it's a great fit. I think he's going to do really well with them. And again, rich get richer, but uh, can't knock the hustle on the Dodgers, man. They're 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 playing it the right way. They always have great farm system along with the great major league talent, and they just keep churning both forward. It's it's kind of impressive, to be honest. I would concur with that, Deary. Uh, what's your initial take here? Is this exciting for you? Or are you going to be targeting Bauer even more because he's on the Dodgers? Could get more wins. Uh, I don't know. I mean. I hate wins, but they're a part of life. So. I don't necessarily think it changes his ADP too much. I mean, this guy's going to have no pressure on him now because he could have gone to anywhere else and pretty much been their ace. And now he's going to be the number three behind Kershaw, Kershaw and Bueller. So you got those wild? three guys right there. I mean, that's nuts. You got three potential top 10 fantasy starting pitchers in your rotation. And, you know, we did a segment a couple a couple weeks ago where I talked about Tony Gonsolin possibly having a breakout and how him and May were going to be battling for that five spot. But Boy, now that Bauer's in there, you send those guys to the bullpen. It gives you that extra kind of help. You know, David Price stepped out last year, you know, took the year off. So, you know, and he's getting a little older. So what a move for the for the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, they're they're trying to show that last year wasn't a fluke, and which I don't think it was. I think it was insane to win, uh, you know, an expanded playoff. But they want to win it in a, in a full 162-game season. It's an excellent move for them. It looks like three years I think it's forty million a year. Is that correct? I, I just read a quick tweet about it. Um, oh, you know, I never even looked up the terms. That's I think a, it's I think it's three years, out. three years, forty million. So that's you know. All right, so okay. he did stick to kind of going for a short term. You know, he he had talked years ago or, or a year or two ago about like going one year to year. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was probably never going to happen. I mean, team would probably have to have gone like 50, 55 mil, which I I don't know that a team wouldn't necessarily be. A, on board for because a one-year commitment yeah you pay a lot but you're only in year to year like a team might actually be down with that but this kind of fits that mold yeah three out three year uh with opt-outs 102 total uh on the deal there i like it uh and i again i think it kind of marries with what he said while still you know doing well by the uh, union because that's the thing the union's invested in what players do because it affects all players so even though bauer himself might want a one year that's not what everyone signs up for so he kind of meets in the middle there signs a three-year i like it i i it is a lot of money but it's for only three years instead of one of those seven eight year deals where you're expecting the last three four years to not even be that good that's a great point paul there's no doubt about it bauer is a guy who wants to live life to the fullest and do weird stuff out of the box he thinks he's like so revolutionary he's got this super Uh, ego in him which i kind of dig you do well you okay well i can respect somebody who i respect what 
look, I know this guy's fraught with mind, you know, there's mines everywhere when you start talking about yeah. Trevor Bauer. But the guy does produce generally. Uh, he's probably a little overhyped. Last season, I'm not buying so much unless he has the stuff that he needs. And yeah. then maybe he'll be fine. Uh, yeah. That'll probably probably maintain the levels he created last year. But I also respect the fact that he puts himself out there. I don't agree with the things he says half the time, more than half the time. But he's also created an opportunity for players to be more accessible than ever by doing the shows he does. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I just wish it was somebody that was more <laughs> like enjoyable. Him. Yeah, likable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's got a couple instances where, you know, he turned his, his fan base on to somebody uh that like went at him and it's like you know you just can't do that like it's one thing that if they come into the fire and they catch they catch some heat for going at you but like the one the main one that everyone goes in on like he researched this girl's twitter and like went in it's like okay dude you you could have just done a quick blast let her let her pay for you know coming at you without doing what he did i'm not i'm not saying like he should have even made her pay necessarily i'm just saying like he could have just like done like a quote tweet and said like hey this clown's coming at me people would have said something dude was digging in her profile to find like old stuff and that was weird and creepy so you know he's got his things for sure um i i I do appreciate you highlighting what he's done for what players can do to to get themselves out there though that is a positive like him or not i know a lot of people don't like him and i understand the reasons why he has created a platform that a lot of players are following to get themselves out there. And that gives us more player access, which, Hey, you know, maybe the next Chris Archer will be out there. Cause he's a great person. Everyone loves talking with him. You know, he was super cool. Uh, hopefully he gets back on track by the way with the Rays. but hopefully if it creates something like that for somebody that we, that we all do like a bit more then that <laughs> that's awesome. You know? And again, I know people do like him and, I, I'm not here to debate the merits of him. I understand why people have their issues with him though. And yeah, pretty easy anyway that's that's just not a fun place to be at at all it's not it's not it's not where we want to be talking about it as far as the signing goes though great move by him great move by the dodgers you can't whether you like him or hate him you can't call it any other way like that was the right move by both both ends there they got a short commitment he got paid and give credit to the dodgers and the padres they're the ones that are making moves i mean the mets have made some moves too but yeah everybody has the opportunity to be aggressive that they want to be i don't want to sit here and listen to these stories about you know the Every team is rich. Exactly. You're, you're so yeah, it's just whether or not, it, yeah, it's just whether or not you're spending. Every single team is rich. There's only the like five A's teams spending right now. The Rays are rich. Yes. Every single team that you think is poor is rich, folks. Because they promise. have an asset that is worth They're billions. billionaires. You could yes. loan. You could lend millions and billions against it. Yep. Every just, team yeah. is rich. That's what I've so never said. be fooled by that. It's one thing if they're not spending and they're kind of setting something else up for the future. But crying poor like the Cubs are is the most disgusting thing ever. <laughs> it's disgusting that the Chicago Cubs would ever be like, oh, can I get five cents, please? Can I get, can I get a little nickel, please, please? Garbage. Yeah, I could, it's That's the one hill that I will stand firm on because I know the truth. We know how money works. We know how credit works. We know how assets work. It's that Hello. simple. You turn around and sell these teams. They're all worth a billy something. You yeah. got you can You could... You could buy anybody. You could buy. Even the pirates have value. <laughs> Correct. They would sell for a billion, like that. Yeah. They would sell car. for somebody wanting to come in there. And that's the thing that I hate too. It's like if you don't want to spend on the team, give it to somebody who will treat it for what it is, which is something that it. That's kind of the prototypical spend money to make money, right? You have to invest the money to get it back out. You can't, but you can also penny pinch and make 
millions with it too. So they do know that, you know, if you don't want to make the top dollars the way the Yankees Dodgers do fine, but if you'll settle for just several million as a cash machine, then they can operate like that too, which is disgusting. Anyway, <laughs> tangent again, sorry. Hey, Owners well said, drive me so. nuts though. Well, well said, we got to be honest. We got to speak our piece here and tell it like it is and not live in denial about certain things. There are other issues that are debatable and they could go on for hours, but no, we're not doing that on this issue because we, we know will the not truth carry of the water for the owners. No, no, I'm not doing that either. Anyways, I got to say, congratulations, Dodgers. Good luck on another title. Maybe get a full season title this year instead of a 60 game title. But, you know, I will say, though, as far as them winning the title and people wanting to jab them because they finally did it in the shortened season, at least it was a team that we know was probably going to make the playoffs yeah, no matter yeah. what. You know, if, if like the Blue Jays had, you know, they snuck into the playoffs, let's say they go on some crazy run. I think we'd be looking sideways at that title like, okay, you guys might not have even made it in the six-month season. <laughs> so it's like one of those things where I think you could give them a little trouble. With the Dodgers, yeah, they made it on the shortened season, but they were going to make it no matter. Yeah, and they won the best team in the playoffs. league. The best team in the league. Yeah. Then, so. Like Michael said earlier, they won an extended playoff. If anything, their, their road was a little bit tougher in October specifically. That's what I argued with Mike because Mike last year was just like, throw the season, throw the season out. And I kept having to reiterate to you, Mike, was just like, Going through a bear of a playoffs with 16 teams, which I hated, but it was going to be really tough, especially once you got to the ALCS and NLCS where there was really no off days. It was back to yep. back to back. Yep. Right, and their and their bullpen wasn't super deep, but they made it work. Guys like Julio yeah. Lurius really stepping up. Yeah, and they came down from a deficit to the Braves. So yep. Yay! Credit. Good job, Dodgers. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, real quick, TGFBI announcements are rolling out yes. today. Are you excited, Paul? Do you think the TGFBI results mean anything? Like analysts finishing higher than other analysts? Is that beyond like the competitive nature of it? Should people who are out there saying, wow, that guy finished like top 10, I should be following him and focusing on his information more? I think it will matter because there's always going to be somebody who's going to gather all the info when there's like four or five years of data and they're going to put out some report on how people are doing. And, you know, if you're perennially, uh, you know, 14, 15 way at the bottom, that could, that could have you seen a little bit more negatively. Like it's a marginal thing. It's not something that's going to like tank your business. Like if you're making fantasy baseball your life and you're always <laughs> bottom five in TGFBI and then someone comes out with their report, you're not then going to necessarily have to go back to your nine to five and no one's going to read you anymore. But I do think it could be a little bit of a hit or a little bit of a boost. They constantly see who's this person who's always top five. Oh, I never really checked out uh, Michael. Let me see what he's up to. You know, things like that. I think Ooh, that awesome. on the margins, it can definitely, it can definitely be something. Uh, especially if your footprint isn't as big and you get an opportunity to kind of make it bigger by being a uh, a, a, a very good finisher every year in TGFBI. Or if your football foot, footprint is already big and you're always in the bottom, you might lose a little bit of your market share there. If people like, I don't this guy never, you know, so people do put some value in it. It's, it's kind of person to person. But I do think when that when that uh, big list of of how people finish for five plus years comes out, it can move the needle. I'm a little nervous because it's my first year. And if I end up having like a really solid year, am I going to be expected to put out more content and do more? Correct. I have a nine to five. No, like this no. is my side gig here. No, so, uh, no, no. but it I'm super excited. Full time uh, gig at this point. My, my announcement has not come out yet. So Mine uh, either. I'm excited. Mike, Mike, yours just came out. I think you're in league nine or 10. It just came out a little bit ago. Breaking news. I'm very excited. I want to send a shout out to my guy, Steve Paolo. Steve Powell on the West Coast. We're in the same league, Steve. Let's do this. Uh-oh. 
We use Steve's projections on the show for our Shine or Ride the Pine segment, so it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited. And Chris Towers is also in my league, Ooh, or okay. I should say our league. It's not my league. It's our league. No, no. You command that league. It's mine! That's Chris is a dude who knows his game, and he's really focused more on his analyst role in 2021, so it's going to be interesting to see what Chris can bring to the table. And I can't wait to meet everybody else's in the league, and hopefully we can have some camaraderie and some a little bit of trash talk and have some fun with it. And Hell, maybe we'll even do a podcast about our league. We'll do like a... I think it'd be fun to do something like that. Although it is 15 people, that's a large podcast. Maybe you get a group that kind of becomes friends, you know, five, six of y'all kind of talk about the pod or talk, yeah. kind of talk about the league every week, something like that. I know in, uh, I think what, this is the third year of TGFBI. I think my first year I had like four or five people I knew. Last year it was only like one or two. But yeah, if you get a nice group in there, it can be a lot of fun. I'm just waiting on, I'm waiting to see where I am. I, I keep refreshing here. No, nothing yet. <laughs> nothing yet. Oh, pins and needles, pins and needles. All right. Very exciting. So anyways, hey, it's a Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Two L's, two Z's. Utah. Give me two. We got Paul Spohr here. We're going to be talking baseball. Now it's time to switch it up, though, and take it into another direction. It's a thing that we call Enrico's Inquisition. Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh, <laughs> Van Halen, not Ooh. a contest. WW84, the movie, or Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer has more positive things going for him. Wow. He is a good pitcher. Oh, Nelly, get ready for some doozies, because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. <laughs> All right, there it is. We are now officially in the inquisitional zone, or whatever that is. Paul Spore is our main focus today. And Paul, you're known for a lot of things, most of them positive. Uh, particular, though, <laughs> I want to ask you... <laughs> Wait, I think they're all positive. I don't know why I said most. Uh, no, they're probably not all positive. <laughs> That's fair to say just, most just go, positive. go back to see what Mason said about you last night. Oh, yeah, I, last night. I can only imagine. <laughs> You are six foot ten, though. Is that true? Six five. I'm not six <laughs> ten. God damn it, Mason! You lied to us. He was like adamant that you were six ten. Everyone's six him... ten in comparison to him. Well, I'm yeah, I'm short. I'm five ten. I'm I'm average height. But he, yeah, I double checked with him. I said, hey, no. five, six ten. You sure? Really? He's like, six, yeah. Five. He's like six ten, six eleven. I have the audio yeah. tape. Oh my God. You know, I think it started at six eight, then went to six ten, and I think by the end of it. I think you were Sean Bradley. I think you were Sean Bradley. Yeah, I, clearly. I think five is six five is kind of the max, dude. Like uh, I drove my, my girlfriend to to get LASIK this morning, actually, and it, we took her car because go to start my car and it was like kind of in and out. We're like, we're not taking this car, we can get stuck down there. Um and and just like she has like a regular sedan, like a Lexus. It, it's nice, but I bump my head. It, it, we go over a little hump and I hit my head. It's awful. It's awful. And I got the car that I have now. It's also a sedan. It's a little bit higher, but I cannot get any more sedans. I, I need to be in an SUV. I just realized that it, it's way too low for me. I could not imagine being taller than 6'5". And the funny thing is, you see the 6'5 guys out running in the NBA, and they look like the small dudes. And then everyone's like, oh, you're the tallest person alive. I was like, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely taller than average. But yes. I could not fathom being like 7 feet and all that. Obviously, they have the biggest – you know, everything houses and, and SUVs if they're NBA players, but oh, 
Six five is about the max. I'm I'm good where I'm at. I'm actually ready to shrink about two inches. Six three as I start to get older, that'll, that'll be good. I'll, I'll wind up there. That's fine. Yeah, you'll be there. Don't worry. It'll happen. It happens to all of us. From what yeah, we shrink a little bit. Aging. Shrinkage. It's a thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, not that's that different. shrinkage. <laughs> that's I was in the pool. That's regardless of age. George Seinfeld. George Seinfeld? I kind of feel know? like he's Seinfeld's brother. I called him George Seinfeld. George yeah. Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's get down to some brass tacks here. So you're originally from Michigan, which we were very excited about. So what's one thing that you remember most about Michigan from your early days? The weather um, in a positive oh, way, the seasons. Oh, in a positive say. way. Yeah. Like, um, well, I didn't mind cold weather as a kid. No, most kids don't like they're insane people, right? They go out, they are. you know, um, Texas has a different version of cold than Michigan, obviously, but generally it starts to start. The temperature starts with a five and below it starts to get pretty cold around here for folks. We're acclimated to it being a hundred like through October. So you have to understand 50 can be a little bit of a shock, but we can get like forties and thirties with some nasty wind coming through. Wind is what does it. You guys know that living in Michigan wind is the real killer. I'll take Last 40. Last night it was still. intense, dude. Last yeah. night we had crazy wind. I despise <laughs> the cold, but I'll take 40 and still, if I got my jacket on, it's fine. It's wind that is devastating. But you get these kids out here, and I live in a suburb now, and they're walking to school, and they got shorts on, maybe a hoodie, maybe not sometimes, maybe like a long sleeve T-shirt. And I'm like, it's 45 degrees, and the, and the wind is blowing everything sideways, and these kids are just like, it's fine. Uh, so I was kind of like that as a kid. I didn't mind the weather. Um, you know, having all four seasons was cool. Um, going into oh, breaking two. breaking news, Paul. Four uh -oh, seasons uh -oh. don't break, break. Breaking news: Four seasons does not exist in Michigan anymore. We go straight from winter to summer. Spring doesn't really? exist anymore. Spring has been canceled. I think so. <laughs> It'll be twenty degrees one week, and the next week it's eighty degrees. And oh, it's that's sunny disgusting. Out. Yeah, see, we had all four when I lived in Michigan, and the climates are changing. And there you go, uh, because yeah, that's what I, I did like that about about Michigan. And uh, going to Tiger Stadium was great too. Having sports, all four sports, because when we first moved to Texas, I lived in deep South Texas, a place called Harlingen, way, way, way at the bottom. No major sports anywhere near. And now even living in Austin, though. We've got some things close. I can go to San Antonio. I can go over to Houston. But that's that's a that's a ride. And we have Texas sports here. And when they're good, they're good. But nothing like pro sports. So all four seasons and pro sports. Two main things I remember about growing up in Michigan. Beautiful. Well, we're happy to have Paul aboard here as a fellow Tigers fan. I got one for you right off the bat, man. Alan Trammell or Lou Whitaker? Oh, I knew you were going to hit me with that. Uh, yeah, you knew it. You knew it was coming. I just, I, I pair them, you know. I really don't make a delineation usually. I think I'll How go with... How could you separate them? Yeah, I, I, it's it's really hard to. I'm going to go with Sweet Lou just to give him some love. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame, and I think most people agree, whether you're a Tigers fan or not. I think Absolutely. Uh, objective folks who aren't Tigers fans can look at it and say, he belongs in there. And not every Hall of Fame career is created equally, right? Some guys are inner circle. They're they're locked down. You know it instantly type of guys. Lou is more of a, a compiler. I, I totally understand that. But that's, that's a different kind of Hall of Famer. He was so amazing for virtually all of his 19 years in the game and the double play combo with Trammell, they should have gone in together. That was a big, big miss. I, I really wish that would have happened. I think he'll get in eventually though on a veterans committee vote. I think they'll get Lou in and they'll remedy that, but he was awesome, man. Watching those two just every day. It was like, it was the best we had 
through a lot of the 80s and 90s when the Tigers were, were dressed. Well, I'd say most of the 90s because 84, 87, they were good. But the 90s one, which was my, my kind of like coming of age with baseball, when we were awful, at least we had those two. And then Cecil. I was there in 1990 for my 10th birthday. We went to Tigers game. That was the year he hit 51 home runs. I saw oh, him hit awesome. a bomb. That was a great day. August 22nd. By the way, me and Deary share the same birthday, if you didn't know. We're born really? on the same day. Yeah, we're born on the that's, same day in the same year in the fantastic. same hospital. It's crazy. No we way. Just, yeah, we just met. I mean, we lived in the same southeast Michigan area, but still, we had to find each other. So were you born in Dearborn? Uh, Providence Hospital, Southfield. Oh, okay. Yeah, what? Um... Oakwood? Yeah, that's Oakwood down there in Dearborn. Dearborn. My brother had his spleen removed there. Oh, nice. (laughs) I don't have my spleen, but I got it removed here in Texas. I know my gallbladder got removed, not my spleen. I got my spleen. I'm not a loser. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine not having your spleen, dude. What a dork. Your brother's roasted, dude. (laughs) Yeah, he's got his issues, but hey, life's hard. Anyways, uh, I got to tell you, one thing I appreciate about you is that you have a lot of different interests and that's why you're perfect for this segment so i want to know ron white or bill hicks Ooh, that's a that's a good that's a good little pairing there i'm gonna go bill hicks uh predominantly actually not predominantly exclusively saw him on videos and and you know on the web but uh also spent a lot of time in this area i think he might have lived here in austin for that's a part correct. of his life. Yeah, that's so a, I, I can verify that. I that's saw why that he's, documentary. That's probably why I've seen so much too. Maybe it was just kind of in the air here in Austin because he's definitely well regarded here. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with Hicks. I just he was so good. I really wish, I really wish I'd have seen more of him. Live. I, I wish he was still alive. He died of pancreatic cancer at age thirty-two, just way, 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 way too early. Would have loved to kind of see him evolve. Maybe could have been carlin-esque in his era in terms of impact maybe i think that that's i don't think that's out of bounds to suggest that that could have been the trajectory for hicks i completely agree with that he's probably my favorite stand-up comedian of all time so i'm gonna support anything positive you say about bill hicks very underrated i think he's got more rated as his legend grew correct correct and and again the underratedness doesn't exist as much here in austin because he's he's so beloved here uh but i know in the grand scheme that he does get a little bit more underrated and then you bring him up and that's one of those things that, you know, at a party, you mentioned a Bill Hicks thing and someone catches catches it. And you're like, that's my guy for the night. That's my person I'm talking to. <laughs> Back when we went to parties, I don't go to parties anymore. I don't, I don't leave this spot here. You can find me all the time here. I think that is actually Deary's the one who moves the most of the three of us, probably. So, yeah, yeah. I go like five miles down the road to go to work, and that's about it. Four Disgust. days a week. <laughs> you disgust me. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, this is my, this is hey, my you, home right here. You got to work, man. Here. What do you do? What do you do on your nine to five? I'm a sports director at our local uh, Y, but because oh, I'm not able to run any sports right now, I am actually with a bunch of kids right now. So I actually am in a class with 12 first graders. Oh, wow. You are a hero, my man. My goodness. I can be a hero, baby. Yeah, that's wow. that's incredible. That's awesome. Well, well done there. Jerry's, yeah, he's doing yeoman's work. It's no absolutely <laughs> Well done. Absolutely. I'm not kidding. Absolutely. Uh, how about this, Paul? Miley Cyrus or Taylor Swift? Hmm, interesting. I like to say my body type is like Taylor Swift's. We're built like a stop sign. Chris Sale, Taylor Swift, Carl Edwards Jr., Paul Sport, all the same body type. Four different people. At least Mason um, got the uh, Sale reference correct. Yes. Now, Taylor has some bops, but I'm going to go Miley, and I'm going to go primarily 
based off of her recent album called Plastic Hearts. The I don't know if I'm using this phrase right. What's this? What the song that is also the title of the self album? Is that the the uh, no? That's not Epi- eponymous. I was gonna say eponymous. No, that's um. I thought that no, that's not that. No? It's not the titular like okay Roseanne's eponymous hit TV series is the example right because it's named after her so it's it's not the same as that but anyway the the track Plastic Hearts off the album Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus is so good it's on repeat for me right now that alone is going to win her this this little battle here if you if you'd come out at a time when one of Taylor's pop songs was going off in my head twenty four seven I might have picked her but right now it's Miley check that song out it's it's great if you like if you like pop type music if, if you don't hate pop music you might like that song by miley taylor swift's taking a different route too i think she just put an out an album where she's she's got tracks with like bonnie Vare and the national and yeah. like bands like that so like they're both really trying to branch out well i mean they're gonna be around forever like i mean they're, they're yeah because they're be backed too. by mo- they're backed by huge labels with money of so. course of course and they're going to you know not necessarily have the same exact trajectory as Madonna, but they're going to have that kind of staying power where they started young and they're going to be around. No, they're no Madonna. Well, no, no. that's true. When, whenever I hear Who someone is? say the word tracks, I think my tracks got more kicks than a Bruce Lee flick. <laughs> and that like is that. from a song. Uh, I think it's Criss Cross. <laughs> I love that. Remember Criss Cross? Do you remember being uh, like I in referenced- middle school or elementary school? I referenced Chris Cross on my stream the other day. Really? <laughs> that Jeez. is weird. What I was telling, I was roasting somebody about some jersey they were going to have to get, and they were going to have to wear it Criss Cross style. And I was like, you're too young to even get that, but you're going to have to wear the jersey Criss Cross style on your stream and show it off. I can't remember which player we were making fun of, but anyway. I dressed yeah, so- up for Halloween as Criss Cross with my friend Chris, and That's- I had an Oakland A's jersey a Conseco jersey that i wore backwards with the jeans and i remember going to school like that and then i had to go piss and i'm like all right i gotta put my now what do i do yeah too much dude that is awesome well that done, is perfect Gary. is that uh henry this is charlotte oh charlotte okay so you have charlotte multiple dogs through. that's correct yes okay. henry was in here briefly for a moment but again as i mentioned my girlfriend got lasik she's recovering right now so they're mostly in uh in the room with her but charlotte popped in she'll leave in like five minutes she'll realize how boring it is in here right now do you like, find... Dad's not gonna pay attention to me i'm out of here do you find that a chair is really key if you're going to be spending a lot of time at a desk oh like a good one yeah oh absolutely you think it's worth it to invest in like a couple of hundred dollars desk chair that you're going to oh, be giving a good posture and all that a jillion percent now i paid an exorbitant amount for one years ago Turns out it actually wasn't that good. I still have it. My girlfriend actually uses it. But relative to like this one, I think was, this is a pretty new one. I got this one just just this last month. And uh, it was like three on sale, three, 350, a secret lab one, secret lab, they make good ones. Very good, highly recommend it. This other one, I went to like relax the back. And like I said, I paid a stupid amount of money. Very, what very was the dumb. negative? What was the issue with the chair exactly? So the way one thing I didn't like about it, which I know is something that some people like, is the lumbar support kind of like pushed out to where it was kind of like, and I didn't really like that kind of wrapping around. I, I don't like that. I kind of like to curl in more. Like on this one, I can adjust the lumbar support if I want it, but on that one, it was just out. So the way it was was kind of like, like <laughs> this. I'll show you from that angle, and it's like yeah. pushing you out. 
at, at the bottom though. And I just, I just didn't like the way it felt. And so, no, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. I actually did get a huge discount on it though. Uh, and it still was $1,100, which is, it's insane. It's so stupid. So stupid. This was years ago. Um, you know how I got the discount though was back home years ago. Baseball. I go in and this guy's listening to MLB Network on Sirius. I was like, oh, baseball. I love baseball. So I start like mentioning some stuff. Turns out this dude had to follow me on Twitter. He's like, bro, I read your stuff on Twitter, dude. I can hook you up. And he gives me like a, like a pretty fat deal on it. And it was still $100. But I was like, yo, this is going to solve all my back problems. I've had back issues for very long. Um, and I was like, this is going to be great. And it turns out I hated the chair. But the guy was really nice. And I still have it. I didn't get rid of the chair or anything. My girlfriend gets good use out of it. But uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to just randomly be like, have somebody be like, oh, dude. I follow you on Twitter. I'll give you a deal. I'm like, wait, what? Is this what it's like to be famous? They just get that stuff so, all so the Paul, time. you just don't walk into every store and be like, hey, do you follow me on Twitter? You, I'm Paul Sporer. You follow me on Twitter, right? You, yeah. you must. You yeah, must, yeah. grocery store lady. You don't? <laughs> okay, well, start following me and then give me a discount on these groceries right this moment, or I will lower my mask and cough upon you. No, I don't say that. That's terrible. No, I'm not no. not a domestic terrorist. We understand. We understand sarcasm. That's okay. Sarcasm is welcome on this show. We're inside Enrico's Inquisition here, asking for stuff beyond baseball generally, although it always just seems to come back to baseball here and there. Always. I got to say, I love Tiger Stadium, but I'm wondering, have you been to Comerica Park more than once or many times? Just once. Just once recently. Took my grandmother. My my sister and I took my grandmother. Nostalgia removed, uh, clearly. Do you prefer Comerica Park? Comerica was great. Um, I really think it's one of the gems of the league. And I think some like lists that when they do the top stadiums have really started to give it its due. Now, I always knew this from afar. I was like, I'd never been there. Then I went there. I was like, yeah, this does deserve some love. This is a nice gem. It's not on the PNC, AT&T or Oracle now, uh, Petco. Um, but it's it's in that second cut there. And it's great. Um, yeah, again, you, you you say remove the nostalgia. That's kind of the tough part with Tiger Stadium because there's just so much nostalgia there. But yeah, if I'm judging it, the more, more modern one is better. I mean, it's it's inherently better in so many so many ways. But man, nothing like stepping out of the neighborhood that we would park in, seeing the big white Tiger Stadium, grabbing my dad's hand, and just like speeding across the street to get over there. It was it was the best. But uh, yeah, Comerica was amazing. I loved it. I'll definitely go back very soon. Once you know everything gets situated, I will. Uh, I will not take an egregious trip there until uh, until we until we see fit uh, vaccine wise and whatnot. Of course, that goes without saying. Mike, remember when they tore down Tiger Stadium and oh, then they still left like half of it or like a quarter of it up for like two or three yeah. years? And mm-hmm. there's that that one bar that we would always park at before we'd go to Comerica. And it was so ugly to look across the street. And it was just that you half mean part of the stadium. Oh yeah. Hoots. hoots. Yeah. yeah. It <laughs> I was, know. I love going to hoots. Cause you could take, you know, they're a little bit farther out from Comerica. So you take their shuttle bus and you get right on 75 and you're home free. You don't have to deal with it. Oh, that's thing. nice. Yeah. It was the secret of the pros, but yes, now <laughs> hoots is called something else, uh, but it's still there, but they left the corner oh, of so, home plate, yeah. that diamond yep. corner. That kind of went out to first and third, and that was it. And now, now it's like police athletic league field where yeah. hopefully kids get to play a lot and stuff. You really cool. saw how relatively small the plot of land was. 
as they were tearing it down. Mm -hmm. It's like one block. That's all it is. Right? Yeah, it's it's wild. When they were tearing it down, I get pictures from there. People going there and like standing on home plate and whatnot. It was nuts. You guys ever go to uh, Chris Chelios' chili bar down there? Sure. Chelios Chili. Yeah, a few times. I love that place. It's the opening day at Comerica. There's a lot of that's always packed. Yeah, because that's right across the street. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure they survived the pandemic. No, I think they're I think they're gone. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Man. I used to eat and I'm not like, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm awful at a buffet again. I'm built like a stop sign. Um, so I'm not very good at like a buffet, but I used to crush so much chili there. It was, it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. my first time there. Chelios was there. There was a bunch of lions there. It was very cool seeing like a bunch of, a bunch of athletes hanging out, doing their thing, trying not to fanboy too much. <laughs> Just like you and the guy at the chair store. Like, oh, right. Dude. He was like, oh, this dork. Let me get him out of my store real quick. Let me let me rip him off and pretend like I'm giving him a deal on a one on eleven hundred dollar chair. I, I bet this dork will buy it. Let me watch. watch. <laughs> I got swindled. I got swindled. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes you thought you're getting buttered up and then you got swindled. Boom. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple more here. Sliders or curveballs? Mmm. I'm gonna go sliders. Yes, sliders. finally. Hey! We're overdue for that are, answer. They, I mean, they're, they're they're it these days. People pumping sliders in the low 90s, which is disgusting. And they're a better pitch on MLB The Show, which is important to me. Yep. I've heard, they're, they're I've heard about this. balls just hang. There's something about the online. They either hang to where you crush them or they're so low like the curve happens so quickly that you can spit on them easily, even if you're not good at taking pitches. So they're like either an automatic take or or a freaking home run. So, yeah, sliders all day. Now, I don't know if you could be critical because you have a relationship with them. But I think you got to maintain your integrity. I will. And that's important. Uh, did, was the 2020 version of the show better than 2019? Well, I was in 2019, so no, obviously not. <laughs> you named your character Paul Spore, it would auto-populate to me. So, that's right. Um, and there was, like, one of those little banners in the online play that had Charlotte on it. So, again... <laughs> These yeah, things really? cannot be top, yes. Um, and have my my little Twitch handle on it, and it had it had uh, these two bulls here for the Red Bulls. So they had that in the background, Charlotte's dumb little face on it, and then my name on it. It was great. It was really cool. I, I was blown away. I was probably more blown away that my little dog's torpy face got in the MLB the show than than my character getting in, even though that was an amazing. That's experience. deep. That's very deep. Yes. As That's far as the gameplay overall. I, I will say 19 was a little bit better. I think the pitching's, pitching's been way too tough this year. Like, you have to be able to hit to be really competitive, right? There's a certain cap that you're going to hit if you if you cannot hit the ball well. Like, you can only go this far. Um, but it used to be where you could still be a pitching first player. And if you hit enough, you could make World Series in the uh, in the online space, things like that. Um, and for those that don't play, I'm talking about a bunch of random stuff. But this year, with the pitching being so random and just your inputs didn't really make enough impact. Like you could execute a perfect slider and then it would be all cement mixer right down the middle, gone. You're like, that's not what I did. So they really <laughs> made it to, and I was nervous right away because they do these preseason streams in March, getting us hyped for the game. We were getting hyped. But then there was one phrase that Ramon, Ramon Russell, the guy over there, said, he goes, Well, guys, th- get ready this year because pitching's harder. I was like, Wait a minute, harder? Pitching's already been super hard. All the best players are amazing hitters. They're impossible to pitch to. What do you mean it's harder? Hitting should be harder, um, which they don't. So you, you know they don't want to make hitting too hard. But anyway, 
bottom line. So you meant that pitching is tougher to execute too. That's Correct. what I mean by saying, okay, Correct. I just want to make sure. And, and that that made it imbalanced. And even even the top players acknowledge that. Because like, the top players, again, they're all amazing hitters and then their pitching can vary. Some of them have like nine ERAs. They don't care. They're going to outscore you. Like that's how yeah. great they are. That's not me. I'm a pitching first guy, and I have like enough hitting. But I couldn't. I, I couldn't even execute this year, even with the input. So they need some big fixes there. They said uh, we're getting news about 21, and they got you know how on back in the day when we would get a game, we'd look at the back cover of the game to see the <laughs> new features. Yep, well, they put out like features. a virtual version of that, like the one pager that kind of shows some of the new features. One of the new features, new pitching mechanic. So I'm eager to see if that really helps things. I think they one thing I love, and I will I will cape for them on this. People can say I'm an apologist, whatever. They listen to the community. They have people in streams on Twitter, in, watching YouTube videos across the community, figuring out what the community is saying. So they're going to understand how much we disliked, how difficult pitching was this year, and they're going to do something about it. And that's one thing I love about them and getting to know them and working with them. It's been awesome. They care, you know, and I know people give EA a big, a tough time with Madden and everything because they're a giant corporation. Sony San Diego is not a giant corporation and they're, they have Sony as backing, but the studio itself is a small group and they want to put out a great game there. Now it miss, they miss the mark sometimes. They're not above reproach and they say that themselves. They want critiques, but to suggest that they don't care would be just foolish and i will not stand for that sort of stuff so yeah i'm excited to see what 21 brings i can't wait we have a release date 416 is early access if you get the pre-order and then 420 is when it comes out for everyone else uh, <laughs> 420, man. i know i know so you can get <laughs> late as you want and play mlb the show but I, i'm excited <laughs> i cannot wait uh i i'm really 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 freaking excited for 21 i'm still playing um, 20 every single day too by the way because i'm sure a, you're, a you're a nut you're yeah, a nut i'm an absolute psychopath I never even I never even bought twenty. I, I still play nineteen. I, I don't blame you, but uh, you know, I kind of... am terrible. I'm terrible at the game. I played oh, in a league last year. I got signed up with Brett Herzog and a bunch of people in the community, and I was terrible, and it really pissed me off. Yeah, you were so pissed. You hated it. You said I'm in you a league just... right now, and uh, I'm I'm above my weight class, boys. I'm in I'm in trouble. There's people I'm... above you. God, that's insane. Well, Mike that's said he would just put down the controller and. Just... <laughs> And just let Seriously. them take to him. Well, that's no, no, you, I, press, uh, I press X. Yeah, I mailed it in. The best way that I worked on my patience. I, I, patience is an issue, and you cannot yes, be good without patience. So literally, sometimes I take the control and I just put yep. it on my lap until I have a two strike. Count. I get walks. I get and it works. It works. <laughs> it absolutely works. Now the one thing that you have to do is you still should focus on the pitches to kind of see where they're going to try to learn. If you're if you're doing something else, I turned away from like if you're literally doing something else, you're not really going to gain from it. But I literally oh. will put the controller down sometimes and be like, I'm not swinging until two strikes on every batter this inning. And it and it works. They run up the count. And all of a sudden, you got two guys on with one out. And you got a little something cooking. It's why I watch TV shows and movies while I play. So I'm like, oh, I can just focus on this for a couple of I pitches. also do that off stream. Yep. I will have something else on. And yeah, sometimes I'll. I swear that's our generation. I thought it was just me and my buddies when we were younger. But it seems like I think we all do that. We have to have sometimes- two screens. I catch myself with like three different things on and I'm like, there you go. What are you doing, dude? Like I'll have a stream on um, and I was watching a YouTube video and I'm playing MLB the show and like I'll have the stream on mute, but then he's saying something I want to hear. So I turn him up. I don't turn the mute. I don't mute the YouTube video. So I have 
three things in my ear. I have the game, the stream, and the YouTube, and I'm comprehending all of them, which is insane. <laughs> it's nuts. It's it's just like a cacophony in my ear, but I'm I'm picking up the things. But yeah, I always got to be doing like something else if I'm not streaming. I, I have something else on my second screen. I got so many more questions, but we got to wrap this up. Oh, I'm sorry. So fine. No, 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 no. You're doing great. Paul, come on. You're the pro here. I'm Listen. known for people having an outline that we get to like a quarter of, so I apologize. I'm going to make it happen. I'm the host who's going to corral you. I'm going right. to corral you in. We're going to get through the corral. gates, close it up. So, for love or money. So I have to decide whether I would do something for love or for money? Or... Just overall, would you prefer one or the other? Hmm. I could buy love. I know that movie said you can't. <laughs> can't. Yeah. Patrick Dempsey can't buy me love. Oh, oh, yeah. Patrick Dempsey doesn't even have to buy love, dude. That dude's like way too good looking. Get out of here. Not yeah. even fair. Oh, he was a dork in that movie, though. I know. He, he had like no dork. friends. A dork. Yeah. Like the, yeah, but now like, he's got some dumb name, like Mick Hottie or something. Yeah. Mick, uh, Mick Dreamy. Mick Dreamy. Mick I watched Dreamy, the first season of that show. I'm not even going to front. I did. Okay. But then they saved a deer, and they like mouth to mouth resuscitated a deer, and I was out. What? What? I was, I was out. It I'm became... not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. My wife and I are currently watching it. And we're in season eight. <laughs> wow! Uh... It went so many seasons. Listen, it's a soap opera. Of course, they're gonna do soapy stuff. Yeah. For a little bit of money, uh, I'm gonna be a piece of garbage. I'm gonna say money. There it is. We That's appreciate honest. Your it is honest. I think you okay. can buy happiness, or you can at least situate yourself in a measure of happiness when your bills are paid everything's situated that's a level of happiness i'm sorry i disagree with the notion that you can't buy happiness if you're a miserable person money's not going to unmiserable you but if you're pretty you know you got things going pretty well but money and you got these bills getting that money getting those bills paid could really turn your mood i i bet I got to say, that's an honest answer and a perfect way to wrap up that segment from Paul Spore. We are talking live with Paul Spore. It's the Hey, it's Rico Blasso Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Blasso Podcast, ProtonMail.com. Blasso Podcast on Twitter, two L's and two Z's. We're going to move into some fantasy talk now. I think it's about time we talked a little bit more about fantasy baseball. After all, this is supposed to be a fantasy baseball show. Although, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, been, I've enjoyed what we've talked about so far. I, I think it's really interesting stuff. How about we start with some ADP conundrums? ADP is Kyle Tucker, top 30. Should I pitch out with Mondesi, Max Muncy? Should I wait on closers or draft Ryan Presley? So Ryan Presley, he's a fun dude. Do you have any Ryan Presley shares yet, Paul? I do. Um... I think he's one of the more steady guys in a in in a group of unsteadiness. Like the closer pool right now is disgusting. Like it's it so bad. And there's like four to six guys I think you can kind of trust right now. And if you don't get one of them, just just gamble. But Presley is one of those guys. I think uh, there's nobody right now that's going to clearly contend for that job. As long as he pitches the way he can pitch, it's over. Uh, and he'll be the guy there in Houston. They're going to still be a good team. So, yeah, I, I got some Presley shares now, and I'm open to get more. Woohoo! Yippee! All right. So, uh, our first one is two guys that are injured for different reasons, okay? And they're kind of in the same ballpark of ADP. This is a first base ADP conundrum. Reese Hoskins tore his elbow. 
and he's recovering. The old UCL. The other guy is Trey Mancini, who obviously had cancer, colon cancer. I mean, that's awful. It's as bad as it gets. And it's, what we're hearing, looks like he's on the recovery trail and things are looking up. So, between these two guys, if you had to choose, or you can give us a third option, you know, Hoskins and Mancini, or would you rather go elsewhere later or earlier for first base? If you need, this would be under the focus that you definitely were going to take a first baseman. Sure. You know, I am a little nervous on Mancini. I, I want him to come back. I'm pulling for him, man. That news about the colon cancer was devastating. And there were great, you know, major concerns that his career might be over, like a reasonable concern that that might be the case. So to hear that he's back on track and looking like he's going to play this year, that's great. I think I still need to see it a little bit more. You know, I need to see something in spring before I'm really going to jump. I really like the Reese Hoskins price. Now, Mancini is a little bit cheaper, but give me Reese Hoskins right now. I think he's way too cheap. Uh, this guy is still a power stud. There's This is a 40-plus homer bat. When everything kind of goes his way, I think there's 40-plus homer potential um, for him. I think he did find the mark where there is too many fly balls, Reese Hoskins. I think you have kind of figured out where that uh, push-pull is. You Infield currently have pop-ups, too. too. Many. I mean, yeah. even worse. That, and that's what happens is you, you get in the air too much, you start getting under it, and those pop-ups are basically strikeouts because they're as automatic as it gets. But I'll go Hoskins here. I still really like him. Um, I would I would be open to both once I see Mancini in spring kind of getting going. But until he gets out on the field, we just don't know how everything's going to happen. We did get Carlos Carrasco back from leukemia. So, you know, I know they're not related or anything, but it's certainly possible. And I'm pulling for it. And if Mancini does come back, if his price stays the same, I'd probably shift to him. But I really, really like Hoskins at pick. I think he's going around 170 since the new year in, in uh, NFBC leagues. Yeah, we were doing uh, – I did since January 11th. Okay. NFBC and Hoskins and Mancini are right around that same zone. That's why we try to give you these conundrums. We throw them at you, and Paul, I think you pass with flying colors. I would love to see Hoskins, like, really just break out even. We're talking yep. breakouts later in the show. I would love to see him return to glory. What about you, Deary? Who you yeah, I mean, with? Hoskins, 27 years old. He's just getting to his prime. You know, when he first came in the league, I thought he was going to be that Adam Dunn, three true outcomes type guy. Uh but the average of like 245, I can live with that with the amount of times he's going to be able to get on base with walking. So the OBP will be okay. And like Paul said, 40 home runs is not out of the question at all. And he's in a really, really great lineup, probably going to bat maybe sixth in that lineup. So there's going to be tons of guys on base when he comes up. So I think he has an opportunity to have a really, really solid season. Yeah, since so January 11th, Reese Hoskins 167 ADP and Trey Mancini 179. And... That's good value if you believe that those guys could produce for you. You're going to get – that's how you win leagues. Guys like that you take a little bit later on and they give you, you know, top 100 value or better. That's that's like Luke Voigt last year. Luke Voigt exploded, gave us elite return on where okay. he was drafted. I loved it. I loved it last year. I rode that, that – uh, what would you call it? That fiery comet in the sky for as long as I could. He was a beautiful. Beautiful Too expensive man. this year, unfortunately. It's exactly. The problem problem yeah. with uh, breakouts that hit, you love the guy, and then his price goes way up. I think he's kind of this year's Pete Alonso, not quite to the degree of Pete Alonso from last year, but as much as I love Voight, he's way overpriced when guys that we just talked about are there. Jared Walsh, even later. Uh, Max Muncy, Matt Olson, a little bit earlier than the guys we're talking about, but still cheaper than 
Voight. So not to, not to derail to Voight, but as much as I love him, I can't pay that price. And there's Henry, if you guys can see hey, him. Hey, buddy. What's yeah, this here? is going to happen to Hoskins now. He's going to have a huge season. Now he's going to be a top five first yep. baseman next year. Exactly. Hoskins happening. That's alliteration. I like it. It's a I Hoskins love, happening. I love alliteration. Oh, see you, Henry. Seriously. He was I love here, dogs. Man. I love alliteration. I love Reese Hoskins. I'm always rooting for him. But when he came on the scene and he had that incredible run there in August and September, he won me a title single-handedly. I waited all year for him. I kept him. <laughs> it's a Yahoo League. My home league's a Yahoo League. So there was one mm-hmm. NA spot. I kept him in that NA spot for months and months and months. He was he, dominant. 2017, man. That was so good. Oh, I think about it now with such wide-eyed. Just, he hit I'm almost fifty homers that year. Yeah, he hit almost fifty between minors and majors that year. That was so insane. And you know, he hasn't been bad since, but he hasn't quite. That's the level I'm looking for him to capture. I really he think he can so be. High. Yeah, I mean, it was over a thousand OPS, and he's his high since then is eight eighty seven from twenty twenty. I think he can be a nine hundreds low one thousands for a full season though. That that is that is there. That is there for him. Okay, our next ADP conundrum. Good old J.D. Davis. J.D. Davis right now, since January 11th on NFBC, 221 ADP. Third base eligible. Outfield eligible, too. Or you could have Heimer Candelario at 246. Would you rather wait on that, or would you rather do a third option between these two guys? Me first? Yeah. Good old buddy Heimer Candelario here, Paul. Uh, it's nice to see him have a little breakthrough there in the uh, in the 2020 season. You know, that was somebody that I really did like when the Tigers got him from the Cubs, and he kind of kind of showed flashes here and there. I think he had like an injury derailed season, uh, but this was this was a full scale, well, full scale for 52 games. But this was this was really nice. I think I would still lean a little bit away from it in relation to a JD Davis, unfortunately. I think J.D. Davis's power is more viable. And I think what you really need with Candelario is batting average. Batting average is so tough to bet on. I don't know if his power is at that same level of Davis. So if he's not hitting for the batting average, I'm a little nervous. I got to be honest. I wonder if I might be more inclined to take like a Justin Turner or Brian Anderson who fits in between those two. Um, but Candelario at 247 is not a terrible price for like a CI type of deal. Meanwhile, Davis, Turner, and Anderson – I would be open to starting at third base if I waited on the position. I could dig that. Deary, what do you think of this? I can't buy into 50 games with Candelario. Uh, I'm on board with Paul. I really like the deal when the Tigers got him. And then an 18, like 224 average. I mean, power was okay, 19. Uh, struck out way too much. Uh, I like J.D. Davis. I like that dual eligibility. Um, I think there's probably more pure power there. And he's certainly going to have a better average than Candelario. But as Tiger fans, we're hoping that Candelario is our first baseman this year. And if the Tigers do end up bringing back another first baseman, you could easily slot him over to third if Paredes is not ready. Uh, so I'm certainly rooting for Jamar. I hope this does not fall apart, uh, but I'd go with J.D. Davis in this position. How about this one? Paul, Alejandro Kirk, currently at 274 ADP of the Toronto Blue Jays, the a little pudgy, stocky guy that could. He, he brings a lot of excitement to the to the game, right? But mm-hmm. you could have Tyler Stevenson later on, another catcher, at 399. What would you rather do there? That's a really good combo there. Uh, you know, and Real Muto didn't end up going to Toronto. There was some chatter that maybe he would get there. 
of course, Kirk was kind of penciled in as maybe being the DH before they got Springer, and then that kind of shifted things around to where Telez is now the DH. I, I, I never really thought Kirk was going to be a full-scale DH. I got to be honest. I really like Tyler Stevenson, but I'm I'm pretty leery of rookie catchers in general, and I know that Kirk is still technically a rookie. like He did not use his qualification this past year, but he does have some major league time. So I think between the two, I'm apt to lean toward uh, toward Kirk, if only because Stevenson uh, is still behind Tucker Barnhart, who, you know, for all his flaws, is a gold glove catcher. I think a multiple gold glove catcher. Yeah. And he stops switch hitting, which they're hoping kind of helps improve his hitting. But he doesn't even have to hit that much. I just think that with all the stuff you have to learn at catcher, I'm kind of off on rookie catchers in general. So I probably won't draft either. But between the two, give me the guy who's at least had a little nibble of the majors, and that's Alejandro Kirk. Hell yeah. Jerry, where are you going to come out here? Because we got two rookie catchers, and the playing time I think is still mysterious, even if Kirk is being bumped up and pushed out into the public as this guy who's going to break out. Agreed. By the yeah, way. I mean, you got a six foot four guy in Stevenson, and Kirk is a little guy. He's five foot nine. I, I think the key is going to be like, how much playing time are these guys going to get? Barnhart, you know, is a pretty solid catcher. I mean, if Danny Jansen just completely falls apart, yeah, he was awful last year with Toronto. Maybe Kirk, uh, you know, can step in and fill that role. I mean, Toronto's made so many moves that it really pushed Kirk to being the odd guy out right now. Mm -hmm. For myself, I mean, I'm waiting on catchers, probably not waiting this long. I'm probably looking towards more of like, like a Carson Kelly or a James McCann, if I'm waiting past those first 10. Um, so it's really tough. I'd probably go with Kirk. Just I just think he may have more chances, but the upside of Stevenson is nice. The beauty with Kirk too, is that they could feasibly go triple catcher on the roster with Jansen McGuire and Kirk, let Kirk bounce around a little bit and still have their two catchers with Stevenson. If he's not catching, I don't know that they're really going to bring him into a game because he's Barnhart's backup. So even though I think Stevenson can play first, first off, he's also not going to bump Votto off of first. They're going to they're going to keep playing him. So I just don't know where his playing time comes this year unless Barnhart bottoms out and then they switch over to Stevenson. But Stevenson for 2021 or 2022, excuse me. Now that's something I would get on board with. I want to I want to see him get like 200 plate appearances this year and then be ready for the 2022 breakout. Great. We'll have you back on for the 2022 preseason. You can Perfect. go crazy on Tyler Stevenson. All right, that's it. That was our ADP conundrums for this episode. ADP is Kyle Tucker, top 30. Should I pitch out with Mondesi, Max Muncy? Should I wait on closers or draft Ryan Presley? That's so good. Thanks. Hey, hey, it's the Regal Blossom Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Now, with Paul Spore aboard, me and Deary, the three of us, we are going to get into some full-on breakouts. One, two, three. Oh, breakout! You told me you had a new one. I was not expecting that, though. That's simple. Breakouts. Amazing. That's right. Oh, breakout. I'm excited for these breakouts because breakouts are probably one of the most fun, enjoyable, exciting parts of fantasy baseball. A True. player that you're looking at, you're excited about, is he going to take it to the next level? It's so rewarding to cash in on a breakout because the value 
is huge. And you know, this game's all about value, getting guys at places that are going to give you much more return than where they're being drafted at typically by other people. So, And if you're wrong, oh, no one cares. Yeah, and if you're wrong. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, Of course. Yeah, no, one, no one's ever said a word to Paul, I'm sure, about any of his predictions. No, <laughs> never, never. Keep taking Joe Musgrove, y'all. This is the year, I promise. Yes. yes. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it. Okay. That, by the way. I, I believe it a thousand percent. I'm with you all the way. And I think a lot of people are joining that party. I believe that well. even before the trade. I'm, I'm, I'm a Musgrove hipster just saying. Been on the train since Houston. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. I'll make some space for y'all, but uh, I'm driving this train. That's anyway. fine. You take the wheel. Go ahead. Although I don't think trains have wheels. but Or not like a steering wheel. Probably just like a. I had a custom steering wheel installed just so I can low ride with it, like with one handed on my train. Let's make it a ship. Let's make it like an old, oh. you know, because we are the official podcast of Russell Crowe and Master Commander <laughs> is the official film of this podcast. Let's done make and it an done. Old school- <laughs> ship. Get, up, yes. get aboard this ship, y'all. We're Turn into the port. Full rudder right. Okay, enough of that. Nobody cares about that. I'm starboard. No. Uh, you are a superstar is what you are, Paul. Paul, give us your first breakout candidate for 2021. All right, speaking of sticking with somebody and going back to the well, I'm going to go with Willie Calhoun, somebody that I've definitely been on previously that we haven't quite seen the full breakout from, but I think that it is bubbling underneath. We saw a bit of it in 2019 when he did put up a 110 WRC+. plus. He doesn't strike out. He's got some power. He had a 256 ISO that year with 21 homers in just 83 games. Now, you don't want to do the uh, the lazy doubling up of of an eighty something game sample. It's easy to do that, but he wasn't going to hit forty two homers. Um, but I do think this is somebody who can hit thirty uh, and approach a three hundred average in like a full on breakout year. Now he was disastrous in the twenty nine games this year. He only played half of a half of a third of a season, so there's not much going on there. I'm not putting too much stock into it. It is keeping Calhoun's price down though, and that's perfect because I'm ready to buy in. I think I'm buying 270 and like 25, like I said, with a 330 something uh upside there. So I like Willie Calhoun. I still think he has a great bat. He's just 26 years old. This is the year that he finally clicks with everything. Ooh, I would love for that to happen. How about you, dear? Who's your first choice? I'm gonna go with uh Christian Javier of the Houston Astros. Uh so this guy all through the minors, he was a K stud, had excellent swing and miss stuff. Um, certainly had control issues, which happens with a lot of young pitchers. Um, got a little bit of bullpen work. You know, he's mostly a fastball slider guy. What I noticed last year is he started working in a changeup. Always a low BABIP guy. Has been able to create weak contact, not giving up a ton of home runs or whip. Now, he hasn't had many innings at the major league level, but I take a lot into the fact that he debuted as a starter last year against the Dodgers and struck out eight guys. So keep an eye on him during spring training. I'd like to know if he is going to make that rotation. I think he slots in as that number five guy, but I like him right now as a good kind of around 220, 225, uh, you know, third, fourth uh, option for your pitchers. Ooh, okay. I think you're a smart guy, dearie. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that further. I like Chris here too. It's a good call out. Booyah! I do remember last year him having some velocity dips, but he was still producing. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. And I think Framber Valdez is getting a lot of more hype than Javier is. So that'll be he interesting. Is. That's a way to I like that. You're, that's the whole point of this segment. Give us something different. Take it in a new direction. Well done. Yeah, sir. it's you know you go back going back to just kind of like the miles per hour dip. Like 
how much of that is attributed to it being 2020 and guys still trying to gear up spring training yeah. being really goofy. So like, I kind of don't buy into it too much, but I'm really going to pay attention to see what happens this year in spring training. And as guys, you know, gear up going into the season. Beautiful. My guys, Hunter Dozier. Now, yes, you could make it an argument that 2019, he kind of broke out. So maybe this is not fair, but how I see it is from my own eyes, my own brain is spitting out this information to you. I think that he has another level he can go to. I think the walk percentage will continue to grow. I know it grew last year in what is known as a short sample size. Yes, there's a short sample size siren, but I don't care. I'm buying into that. I think if he can cut down the cage, maybe a couple more percentage points and make a little bit more contact, I'm going to buy into this. Raise that bab up, bab it back to the 2019 levels. Last year, 288. 2019, he's 339 Babip, and he's a career 317 Babip guy overall. So if we can get that bumped up, get some more breaks, I think the average could take a boost, and then that OBP is going to bump, and everything else is going to come into focus. I'm predicting a 30 home run season, and the steals are the last thing that are the key piece here. This guy can steal bags, and I believe that 10 stolen bases are not out of the question at all. I actually wrote up Hunter Dozier a couple years ago talking about how he has sneaky speed. So I love hearing you say that. I totally agree. You know, we haven't seen a ton of it at the majors yet. He's eight for 13 as a big leaguer, but he was four for four this past year. Hunter Dozier can run a bit. So I do think a, a full-on breakout season would not only include the power, some decent batting average, but also a nice little chip in of steals in the eight to 12 range, depending on how much he wants to run. And real quick, there's, Roster resource right now. I learned this last night on Zach's Draft Champions podcast, so shout out to Zach. I learned this. He could be moving to third base now. That's where Roster Resource has him at third mm-hmm. base right now, and that would be a great boost to his value. Just another thing to put in the overall package and you know, throw it over his shoulder and head on up to the <laughs> Hall of Fame. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame, guys. That's oh, what I'm saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, who you got next? Next, I'm going to stick with the team I was just on, the Texas Rangers. It won't be all Texas Rangers, but I love Nick Solak. And you want to talk about speed being a component. He's got legitimate speed. He stole seven out of eight opportunities in his 58-game sample this year. Quietly, the bat really wasn't there otherwise. He hit 268, which isn't bad, but only a 344 slug. The power just didn't really come through for him. I want to say that one that uh, – that Joe Adele bounced off his glove and went over the fence. I think that was off Solak's bat, but it was it didn't count as a homer. There's something about where he hit it and how much he kind of pushed it over. Even though the one off Jose Canseco's head counted, for some reason this one didn't count <laughs> for Solak. But I, I think there's a huge breakout potential here, like a like a 2030 kind of season uh, could possibly be in the offing if if things really break right for him. The playing time should absolutely be there. I think batting average could also be sneaky. He doesn't strike out a ton. He's not like a you know. He's not quite as low of a strikeout guy as Willie Calhoun, who's in the teens area, but somewhere in like the, uh, you know, 20 to 22% range is not too bad for Solex. So I think that'll help with the power batting average. And then his speed itself will keep him on. As long as he's getting on base at a decent clip, he should be running. Like I said, the the true, like the full on breakout could be like 2030. You're paying for like 15, 20, 15, 25 ish. And uh, that's, that's plenty fair for what his price is. I just want to say real quick, I love this call out. Solak is, yeah, I'm on this. I'm joining another one of your trains or ships or wherever love we're going. I'm, I'm in on that all day. Welcome. I hate to Welcome. agree all the time. No, no, that's I, all right. That's all right. Welcome. I'm I'm a genius, and you're you're seeing that genius. <laughs> just kidding. 
Deary, who are you a genius about? I'm going to go with Bobby Dahlbeck of the Boston Red Sox. So he got a short stint up last year, 23 games, hit eight home runs. Uh, This guy has raw power. Um, you know, unbelievable barrel and hard hit rate last year in those in that small sample, but it's something that he did all the way through the minors. Um, the good walk rate can mitigate some of those K's uh, and have a respectable OBP, depending on what type of league that you're playing in. Uh, the, the fly ball rate may be a little bit too much for me, but playing in Fenway, if he could pull that ball enough and just eat up the monster, I would really, really enjoy some Bobby, Bobby Dahlbeck in 20. Um, and you're a guy that, this guy has 30 to 35 home run potential. Maybe not this year. I think if he gets 500 at bats, we could see 25 to 30 home runs and you're getting him a lot later in the draft as well. I'd like to see him maybe create a little more contact, but this guy has the Pete Alonzo type power. So that's kind of the comp I'm making. And it could be just a total come out of nowhere. And you end up with a, you know, a top 80 fantasy player this year. Hmm, okay, good old Bobby Dahlbeck. I remember that hot little run he had towards the end of last season. It was a good time for everybody. My next guy has to be, well, you know, I kind of debated this, but I'm going to go with Garrett Hampson. I believe in Garrett Hampson. The strikeout rate you saw last year, just forget all that. 32% K rate is not typical for him, in my opinion. I know it was in the 20s when he had more playing time in 2019, but his minor league track record shows that he's better at making contact in that. Now, I know the minor leagues are not the major leagues, so I get that. Trust me. I'm not blind to these issues. But it's all about the speed. This guy can steal 30 bags easy in a season. And it's time to cue. We need an alarm for the uh, Rockies front office issues. That's a, that's what we need an alarm for because that comes up all the time. It's like one of the biggest tropes in fantasy baseball, right? I understand that. I just think that this guy's going to get the opportunity now. They cleared out Arenado. I know they still got other guys in the hopper there. It's a real mess. I could be wrong here. I don't feel as confident about it as I should because the Rockies just ruin your lives over yep. and over and over again. Yep, yep, but, yep, yep, yep. But I, I'm still hopeful. I mean, Ryan McMahon and Josh Fuentes and Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers is – he needs his to change health. the scenery. Yeah, yeah his, his health, health track record's been rough too. Yeah, this was like – this guy was a top five MLB draft pick, like real-life draft pick. He's yep. a huge prospect, and he's not shown anything near – like even decency so far. I know it's limited duty, but I believe that Hampson has more of an opportunity to strike now. We're talking 2021. Give me some Hampson. I buy into that. Paul, give us one more. Yeah, I can get behind the Hampson, by the way. I, I've been bought in on him multiple times. I'm going to go back to the well with somebody that I was promoting in 2020 and started off strong, but then kind of hit the skids there and then didn't really get a chance to work out of it because it was a two-month season. So I'm sticking with Aaron Savali, my guy in Cleveland. Uh, big fan of his. Like I said, everything was looking great. Uh, feeling like, hey man, your big uh, your big call out definitely worked. You know, he's got like a two ninety one ERA, five starts into the season or whatever, and even was carrying like a mid to high threes into September. Last couple outings, in particular, his very last one. In fact, uh, before his very last outing, he had a three ninety nine ERA, which is not you know amazing but it's sub four you're feeling all right and he gets the pirates he's going to lower that to like 375 he's going to kill him now he's going to give up eight runs in four innings against them which is really devastating And like i said never got an opportunity to work that off because it, it was the end of the season but i still believe in savali i believe very much in what cleveland does with their pitchers so give me even a moderately talented guy and i'm going to be bought in like a 
Cal Quantrill or Logan Allen, I think, has a chance to break out under them. But Aaron Savali, I think, is a cut above that. I think he's more in the Zach Plesak range. I think as they kind of shape his arsenal, he's got an opportunity to be as good as somebody like a Bieber or a Plesak. I really do think he could reach those heights. Uh, and even if he doesn't, you're still kind of in that uh, mid to high threes range with a great whip and some decent strikeouts. I like Aaron Savali quite a bit. Ooh, do you believe in Aaron Savale? That's there's a lot of people who like what you're saying, Paul. I'm not sure I'm going to join you on that one. Uh, we've already had a lot of parties that we've been to, so I think we're good. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, we're, we're, maybe I'll well, it's a great, it's a great point with. talking about what the Indians do with their pitchers because all those guys seem to succeed. Is yeah, they've really, they've really figured some things out. I think so. I mean, you look at what they've churned out. I mean, just look what they've traded. In, in Bauer and Kluber and Carrasco, and you know, they seem to be moving a good player out um, every season lately. It's because they've got guys coming up. They got Beaver, Plesak, Savale, McKenzie, Quantrill, Logan Allen. And so they feel like, hey, we can, we can cultivate the next, the next big guy and keep pretending that we're poor. <laughs> uh, Deary, give us one more. Uh, I was going to go with Ian Happ, but we talked about him the other days, and uh, I think he's maybe a little more proven. I think Happ has a huge season, but I'm going to go with Tyler Molle right here. Um, I'm encouraged by the 47 innings last year. I know it's only 47 innings, but he made a few different, uh, you know, changes to his delivery, and uh, you know, he moved more to a slider last year than his curveball, and pairing that with a 93 mile per hour fastball and a decent split. Really put out some nice numbers last year. Got a lot more swings and misses last year. 13% swinging strike rate. I think that Babbitt probably comes back to earth. You know, going back to 2019, I was going through his game log, and his 2019 stats of an ERA above five was really blown up by three horrific starts where he gave up seven runs or more, and he just really, really struggled with men on base. Guys, only 26 years old. He has 300 career over 300 career innings at the major league level. Um, What's kind of pulling me off it a little bit now is he's starting to climb in these ADPs um, and just kind of more research I've been doing on him is there's a lot of other analysts that are starting to buy into him as well. But he's a guy that I think you need to pay attention to this year. Listen to me. Tyler Molly gets a lot of hype, too. There's a lot of fans. Deary, you could find a whole message board of fans. You could start your own Facebook group for Tyler Molly. Yeah, that's what I found this morning. I'm like, oh, man, I'm not the only one talking about this guy. Let's take it back. Old school. That's so dumb. I'm a dumb person. All right. My, my final choice, I believe. People ripped me when I took him. Well, they didn't rip me. They ripped me because he was my sole third baseman after 20 rounds in a 15-team league draft, but it's Edwin Rios. Edwin Ooh. Rios can smack the ball. He can crush it. 30 home runs, no problem. I really believe that. This guy hits the ball hard. I mean, he's not an elite stat cast stud at this point, but he puts the ball up in the air. And he barrels really well, too. I think he makes good contact. That's the thing. It's not just that he can hit it hard. It's where he can put the bat on the ball. You know, 13% barrel percentage last year. I like that. His strikeout rate can be high at times, and the minor league track record also shows that. So that's the risk here. But that's the league now. Everybody strikes out, right? If you're buying Edwin Rios as a guy who's going to break out and you believe the Dodgers are going to get him the playing time, which there's still no Justin Turner signing, so Edwin Rios is in prime position. I think they don't want to sign Turner first because of the COVID thing. It was just, you know, a fiasco. 
but then secondly, because they believe in what they got. They like what they have there, and they know that they home grow players as well as anybody else. So I say throw Edwin Rios into your mix of players that are going to give you great return on value. 31 home, I mean. 31 home runs in 104 games in 19 in AAA. I mean, that's impressive. Well, sure. I mean, you know, AAA, the AAA over there is a free-for-all, of course, when it comes to hitting. But still, you know, that's cool. It shows that he has the ability and potential to do so. so. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. I could be wrong, though, Paul. And well, the the thing of it is, though, it really comes down. You're going to know quickly if you're wrong, right? If they if they sign, <laughs> if they do sign Turner, it's not going to be as good of a call. But I, I like <laughs> it, and he's not that expensive. Um, and he is a four corners guy. He can play first, third, left, right. Um, so he can bounce around. They get guys in. Like look at Chris Taylor. Um, you know, Chris Taylor has much more proven track record at this point. But the dude collects his 500 plate appearances seemingly every year while not really being a full-time starter. Rios could be the next guy in that mold where he just bounces around, plays a bunch, and I'm still holding out hope for a National League DH. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. That would really, really help Rios' stock. That would completely, completely make that uh, make that call out very worth it. I just thought of a great idea for a new song, Deary. I'm so excited. <laughs> you, you write it down. Band. Write it down so you don't forget it. No, I, I'm, I'm going to write it down, but I'm going to tell you, it's you hate this band. You don't like this song. Uh, is it the but... fucking Eagles? No, 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 no. It's not. I hate the fucking Eagles, man. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's it's Duran Duran. His name no. is Rios. Cries. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with that. It's so. Funny. It's perfect. It's perfect. Oh man, these are fun. I never get tired of doing this. All right, there it is. That's our that's our breakout segment with the great and powerful and incredibly thoughtful and kind Paul Spore. Any more adjectives we should throw on there? Oh, that's I know they're all way too kind. Okay. Chair connoisseur. Oh, <laughs> So, hey, it's the Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to follow Paul Spore if you're not. Paul is pretty popular already, but, you know, he needs more followers. He needs to connect with more people. His mission is to meet every person on the planet before he perishes. So, help him in that adventure. Now it is time. Well, I should tell you, yeah, it's Spore. It's real simple. S-P-O-R-E-R on Twitter. Is Twitter your main uh, focus when you connect with people? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where I kind of put everything out talk with people i like to be on twitter i know it's i know it's a hellscape but no no no, no, no but we have a good community fantasy baseball is a special place i, really I think so that. too yeah i, I don't really think, think it's worthless no no and I, you know again i know the meme is to is to clown on it and there's a lot of garbage that happens there but best place for me to connect with folks and i, I like to i like to cut it up on there and debate stuff and it's it's a blast <laughs> i love cut it up you want to cut a rug too yeah i'll cut a rug as well i'm fred astaire out here Ooh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Underrated pairing, kind of like Trammell and Whitaker. Kind of like them. Kind of, yeah. A lot of similarities. <laughs> All right, let's talk Paul's Fantasy Foundation. Now, this is a segment on the show we've been doing since the new year. We really try to break it down and get as much as we can out of people that know what they're talking about before the season starts. And we know you can't reveal everything, Paul, but you know, do your best and try to be as forthright as you can, which you are anyways. So Happy to help. I know you are. You're a good dude. All right. So what's the first thing you do when you sit down for a new season of draft prep right off the bat? 
start with a pitcher list, really. Um, I start kind of doing that in September. I start getting ready for the next year. So I go to Fangraphs, uh, Baseball Reference, Baseball Savant, all the all the necessary places to kind of start collecting my data. I kind of uh, do a run through. So what I'll do is I'll go to every roster resource page and I'll write the five starters who are already in there, a couple others that may be considered, a couple injury guys, and then I will tier all of them. I'll just go through and be like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's usually like seven-ish tiers. Do all that, then start sorting, then sort again, then sort again, then pour over those and sort again and just keep sorting and sorting and sorting. And so usually the picture list is the first thing that comes out of my draft prep uh, for the following season. So yeah, and like I said, just go over all sorts of stuff. You know, how does a guy move from, you know, October to December when there were no games? Well, I studied more, you know, obviously, um, not everything was situated in October. I had to figure out some things, study. And you can study 10 different things and kind of change your list every little time, especially because the talent clusters get really tight, right? So the difference between like 45 and 62 might feel big, but it's really not that big. So when you move somebody up 10 spots, 10 spots, holy smokes. And you're like, nah, it really wasn't that big of a deal. It was just a preferential thing. So yeah, picture lists is where I start. Then I kind of run through that process with every other uh, position. And then I get into like individual player analysis, articles, things like that. And then off season projects that I do every year, like the fantasy black book and the baseball HQ forecaster. Wow, man, you are really in the know. That's good stuff. I appreciate that. I got to tell you, all of those publications are outstanding. And if there's a top three, I would include both of those for sure. The forecasters. Deary, which one's what's the one that you get every year, Deary? The one that I get the know. I get the black book. I got three of them upstairs on my shelf. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Booyah! Paul, how important is leagues? Oh, there it is. Ron Chandler. The, four, Ron the black book's under some things right now that I would have to move. Uh, I need to I need to clean my my office. I'll just say that. There's some dishes here. I'm just gonna be up front with you guys. Yeah, well, you're doing a good job of hiding it. I will say that. I do keep oh, I it all <laughs> off off screen here. You can see my Detroit Tigers slippers. I, yeah, I was just going to say, there. you can see them right down there. Those are awesome. see a picture of an otter over this shoulder that my niece that drew, is. and then there's the couch. The funny thing is, you guys can see this half of the couch. The other half is cluttered with pillows and blankets that the dogs have maneuvered. Uh, that's minor they, clutter, though. That's minor yeah. clutter. You know, it's like trying to get, but anyway, um, yeah, and you said league strategy. How important is that? It's remarkable remarkably important the one thing i tell people the first thing to know is to know your rules understand what you can do you cannot take the same strategy across all leagues now obviously if you're playing at a particular if you're like an nfbc person and that's where you're playing those kind of scale across the different leagues there might be a few tweaks here and there but if you're bouncing from site to site from format to format you need to know the ins and outs you're going from head to head on espn to roto on yahoo that's two vastly different things you need to know uh what their auto what their ranking looks like too to know where um auto picks might go or to not even necessarily auto picks but you know say michael you get your memory gets jogged on a player because he's much higher in their list than he is at espn then i need to take him around earlier right what if they rank Willie Calhoun higher. So then you take him three rounds sooner than you normally would. And I don't get my sleeper because at ESPN, he's buried or at NFBC, he's buried. So those little things, the all a lot of small things, but they add up. And so I really think you need to know the rules, the player pool you're dealing with, meaning the auto ranking of the site that you're at and as much as you can about your league competition. Now, sometimes that's not going to be known. If you join an NFBC league with 12 randoms, uh, you know, you can't know anything. 
Randos. At least prepare your stuff. Prepare yourself for the stuff that you can handle, which is the league setup, the league site that it's on, and all the rules that you're going to have. You need to know that stuff. Smart guy. This guy knows what he's talking about. I want to take a moment to talk about these different websites yahoo okay. fan tracks yeah. nfbc it seems like in the industry nfbc is just so heavily focused on but a lot of people play on other sites beyond Correct. nfbc i'm talking about the masses so how do you view that do you take time to play on different sites yeah I play, I play on i don't only play on nfbc like we do talk a lot through the nfbc prism but i make sure to when i know it's clear delineation from like a yahoo or espn i definitely try to point that out but I play on the ESPN league, a head to head league. Uh, there just 10 teamers too. I like to play all sorts of different leagues. No, oh. some, I, I don't do, you know, I used to be a league shamer guy. Oh, you only play 10 teams, bro. Okay. Well, I play a <laughs> league, AL central only. And you can't take a guy if they have two vowels in their last name. So <laughs> get on my level, dude. You know, I used to be that clown. Okay. Your league being deeper does not make it better. If anything, it makes it kind of dumber because then you deal with one injury and your league, your season's over, you know, and listen, I like those super deep leagues too. So those leagues aren't dumb either. I'm just being funny, but uh, I like to play the game. You know, I like to run the gamut with my league types, and that way I know different things, right? Because you're going to draft a 10-team rotation different than you're going to do a 15-team head-to-head versus roto. So, yeah, I play a lot of different things. Um, I love the NFPC. I think they do great work, but that's not that what everyone's playing. And so if that's all you ever focus on, that's all you ever talk about, you're going to alienate a portion of your, of your audience there, and they're going to be like, I got to go somewhere else for my info because these dudes all talk about something that I never, ever play. Great point. I respect that. And we need to do a better job of that ourselves on the show. You know, we we grew up on Yahoo, right, dear? I mean, that's what we always knew. Yeah, I mean, my home league is still on Yahoo, and we're going to do year 18, I believe. Love it. Yeah. So it, Yahoo got in on the game early, and they did nab us, at least nab me. And I played ESPN. I've tried some CBS, uh, and now I'm trying NFBC. It's year two of that. So I've... I do appreciate that there's a, so many options, and Fantrax yeah, might really have are. the best deep options. Too, oh, my so gosh. A- and they work so well with you, too, when you want to implement something that maybe they don't have. They try to figure out how to put it in there, and that's great. Fantrax yeah. really can get you in there on the customization. So, yeah, there's so many different spots. you got to know them all, and that's why I try to you know, I try to pull us back from getting too NFBC, NFBC-centric when I feel like we're just zeroed in on something that is only for the NFBC. You know, that's why I'll say, like, if you're Ross, if you guys have reserves and DL and IL stint um, slots, because in NFBC you don't. Uh, two different ways to play different things, many different ways, not just two, by the way. But yeah, I totally agree with that. Beautiful. There's more than one way to skin a cat, which I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Who um, was skinning cats that they had to I know. say that? <laughs> and how is there not- several ways to do it? Yeah. And when they're like, you know, you can actually do like seven different ways. Let me just show you. Go get <laughs> go get your cat. Let me just show you. I'll show you the main way I do it. And then these three other ways that I can. You have kittens? Because I, I like to skin kittens, too. I usually use Check a out. potato peeler. Yeah. Who was this guy? <laughs> Check out my YouTube tutorial on this. Wow. <laughs> Whoever That's that guy was. Bizarre gal. world. Might have been a gal. You know, I don't, I'm not sexist. Who's, who's been, to say? Could have been a gal. It could have been a gal. Uh, tell us someone that we should know about in the fantasy baseball world that we don't know about. Somebody who does analysis or does fun stuff in fantasy baseball that we should be following or connecting with who's under the radar. Might not qualify anymore. You're too, you're just too elite, man. 
You just, no, 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 no. I just, I was looking. You've lost I, touch. I just don't know if uh, I don't know if Alex Fast is under the radar as much anymore. He's not. I don't think so. Yeah, he's, he's brought too, up in our show weekly. Yeah, he's too awesome. So screw cha, you, cha, cha. Alex. Cha cha cha! Right on out of here. And let me get Michael Simeone, my guy. Okay. SP Streamer at SP Streamer on Twitter. He's on the come up. Uh, got him writing over at Fangraphs with me as well. Definitely think he's a rising star. So yeah, Michael Simeone, that's my guy. You could buy his draft kit, by the way, the SB Streamer Jeff kit. $3.50. A Beautiful. bargain at twice the price, I should say. Exactly. I'd pay 10 bucks for it. It's ridiculous. It's a steal. So go get that now. Michael's a good dude. Plus, he lives in New Jersey. So that's cool, right? Isn't that a negative? Yeah, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> we about hold that it, against know. him, but we're going to still recommend him. <laughs> I was trying to – yeah, you're right. You called me out, Paul, and I appreciate that. Well-deserved. Uh, do mock drafts help you? Are you big on mock drafts? Uh, it really depends, right? Uh, there is no set answer. I know, like, uh, my my dude Rob Silver loves to roast them and say, like, oh, you, did you win the mock draft or whatever? <laughs> if you're just trying to, like, learn the player pool, it can be useful. So play a deeper league and do it. Um, or play a league that suits whatever player pool you're going to be trying to dip into when you do your full-scale leagues. But, you know, if you're getting a bunch of picks autoed, then you're better off just looking at the auto list of the site that you're on, right? Because you're not really seeing how teams are constructed. Uh, you know, if it breaks down just too quickly um, to where people aren't doing it, yeah, it loses a lot of value. But if you get a group, you know, the ones – I don't really do mocks anymore except for – and this isn't a big time either. It's going to sound big timey, but it's not. But, like, unless they are for, like, a magazine mock or something because I know everyone's taking it seriously because it's going to – be published somewhere otherwise i'll just get into a league i'll just do like a draft champions or do like a uh and i know not everyone can just be like i'm just gonna do a million leagues um and that's fine too but there's like draft champion there's like uh, nfbc 50s you know if you want to just do that but if you really want to learn the player pool that way i think playing some leagues um or at least getting a group that you can trust to do a true mock draft then that can be useful but if you're just getting with randos it's probably not going to be worth that much to you. But if you got, if you got a group that's your group of eight other folks, 10 other folks, fine. I, th- I think there's value in putting together teams from different positions and learning the player pool. That's the real benefit is learning the player pool. I did two draft champions. I'm finishing the second one now uh, to learn the player pool. 50 round draft and hold. We got super deep. That's going to cover me for all my leagues. Nice. Yeah, I did one draft champions and I've done an NFBC 50 which uh, is interesting. You know, it's 12 team league and you draft 50 players and then eh, that's it. You're on yeah. your own from there. So, and, and, But it can really help you with, with understanding who's available and, and what dies off position wise or statistic wise. So I do think there's some value there, but they can be overrated in terms of their, their usefulness. Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. That's true. <laughs> uh, is there one or more entities or people that you trust the most for fantasy advice? I mean, you know a lot of people, and there's a lot of great fantasy and analysts out there, but, uh, you know, one or two people, places, or things that you trust the most? Well, Eno Saris, my guy, you know, he brought me up at Fangraphs, one of my mentors, one of my uh, one of my idols in the industry, love what he does. Uh, so I definitely would include him, uh, his co-host, Eric Van Riper. You know, anytime they're talking, I'm interested. Uh yeah. Derek Van Riper's former colleagues and my former colleagues over at Rotowire 
the whole group really, but I'm going to specify Clay Link and James Anderson. They also do a pod. They do a prospect pod. Uh, they're brilliant. I, I, I love what they do. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick on, on, on those four. You know, I'm also going to say Elena Dare um, has been a amazing breath of fresh air in the community. She's awesome. I just love the stuff that she does. And, you know, uh, being a, a renowned actress, like, uh, you know, m- means she's not shy in front of the mic at all either, too. So her personality really carries as well, in addition to her knowledge and, of course, her Phillies knowledge as a Phillies diehard. And so, her yeah, dance moves. Obviously, and her dancing is clearly top notch. So, yeah, th- I'm going to I'm going to call out those five specifically there. Beautiful. That is a great grouping. Well done, sir. I commend all of those. Well done. Uh, how do you make decisions on pitch? You talk about the first thing you do is your pitcher list, but how do you make decisions for 2021 after this bozo season we just had with limited innings pitched? Very much how are you dealing with this? Which, <laughs> you know, I, I've suggested that I'm using 2020 as a seasoning as opposed to like an ingredient in the mix. I think it's something that can be sprinkled on top. You know, a lot of people are just throwing out every bad season and counting all the good ones. I don't think that's quite the way that doesn't really seem (laughs) like, uh, you know, we take, we take everything that went well, like that's the new guy, but everything that went poorly, they can't possibly be poor. No, I don't think that's the right way to do it either. I think that's a little bit too rosy, but again, it's a little seasoning for me. Maybe the guy did well. I'll put a little something on there. Maybe he did poorly. I'll back him off a little bit. Maybe move him down two ranks. But it's all a little bit of seasoning right now. I just cannot put it in to give it the full credit of like a 2019 or even a 2018, which I know is a few years back now. But there's a reason that the the safest projection that you could do is a, what was it called Marcel the Monkey, like the three year averages, because that's just like the the most base that you can do. Now we have more sophisticated systems, but even if you just went off that. That would work, and there's a reason, because previous years do matter. So 20, don't count it too hard. I, I really think it's a mistake to count it too hard. Boy. And what was brought up on the show a few times this week, the pros, the front offices, everybody is dealing with the unprecedented situation. It's not like anybody has experience doing this. Mm-hmm. This is a radically new approach that not just fantasy players or fantasy analysts have to deal with, but the actual people in the game. They don't have experience coming off a COVID season, a, a bizarro season like this. So just remember that there's going to be some approaches and radical moves that might surprise us. They really could be in play, and anything's possible. Last night I said on the Draft Champions podcast that Alex Reyes and guys like him could be these – they're not long men. They're not short men. You know, they're not like – they're just these guys that could be giving a bunch of innings filled at certain points. You know, not an opener. It could be more than an opener. I don't know. I don't even know how it's going to play out like yet. A fireman, but guys, like a two-inning type of guy. Yeah. In the I middle. Even, yeah. Who knows how it's going to play out? But I think about him, and there's some other guys that came to mind, too, that I forgot at the moment. But I, I think there's going to be some things that might surprise us or new approaches because it, it requires it at this time. Well, and yeah, every team's kind of crawling back, you know, pulling back on innings, saying that they're not going to push everybody because of last year's season. I totally get that. And so we are going to have to see some of these guys fill in. You know, we mentioned how Gonsolin and May got pushed to the sideline as far as starting. Well, unless they go to the minors, if they're still going to be on the major league team, I think they're going to be getting two to four inning outings wherever they fit. You know, Kershaw goes six. 
Gonsolin finishes it for three. Jansen, you get the day off because they're up five nothing. You know, stuff <laughs> like that. So there's going to be these chunk innings from guys. I agree. We're getting away from the more detailed roles. Doug Thorburn and I used to talk about this years ago where it was yeah. six innings or one inning, and that was it. Baseball could not fathom anything <laughs> in between. You know, what you want to be a two inning guy? What does that mean? Well, I would pitch an inning and then I would go out and pitch another. Okay, so you pitch six. No, 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 just the two. <laughs> okay, my mind's blown, dude. I don't understand. You just want to pitch two innings? Like, it, it was so weird how it's just six or one, you know, five or one, whatever, starter or reliever. We're finally realizing that there's something in between. And that two to three inning guy, there's so many guys that cannot be starters, but they're way more useful than just one inning. Baseball's finally getting back there. And by the way, it's getting back there, right? It's cyclical. Remember, the first closers were all two to three inning yeah. guys. Mm-hmm. Sure. So now we're, we're actually kind of, <laughs> yeah, we're getting back around to that where we're trusting Josh Hader for multiple innings and we're trusting guys like that. And I hope that we see a big explosion of that this year because those could be hidden gems in fantasy as well. This reminds me of my. T- travel team when i was 12 years old when no one went over three innings we'd go two innings three innings four innings game's over <laughs> love it that was the way to, that, that's the way to do it the other guy i was thinking of by the way was uh luis patino on tampa that's a great call out yeah mm-hmm. because they're they're probably not going to trust him to go four to six i think he's going to be more in that in that two to four range and it could be as a follower, it could be as an opener. I really, I would like to see them get Yarbrough an opener again because he was a wins machine when they did that for him. And it could be Patino, or maybe get Patino an opener and let him go the middle innings. But that that creates wins machines if they're on the right uh, right squad. And Tampa Bay is definitely the right squad for that. I'm a wins machine. That's right. Uh, a couple more here. We're at this up. Uh, value of projections to you in your own personal process? Not not huge. Um, I don't like to get boiled down to one number. Listen, I respect the folks that do them, that create them. Sure, sure. And there's a lot of successful people using them. So maybe I'm maybe I'm just flat out wrong. Let me just be honest about that. Because <laughs> there's some people that just all they do is projections, and they do consistently pretty well. Um, but I don't like to get bogged down on just like one number. Say this is the number. I try to look at them more as as ranges. And I think even the people who create them understand that they're. Hey, we turned out a number, but it's not just Bad what number, this guy yeah. is. But I, I get annoyed when I get quoted somebody's projection as an <laughs> argument as to why player Y is better than player B. And they're like, well, his projection is this. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's one projection. Like, that's cool. But I'm trying to look at, at a bigger picture there of the skills. So I respect them. I, I look at them. You know, I read the forecaster. I check out the little – one that they have, we have under our player pages or under our stats in fan graphs with the bat ATC and steamer and zips. It's sure. great. It's information to take in though. It's never something that I would just let drive everything for yeah. me. And I think, I think those kind of four projections right there help you create a range that you can look into. Exactly. Exactly. Cause you can see where, and, and I love when there's a big difference. It's like, Whoa, what's, mm-hmm. what's zips seeing that nobody else is on this guy or why is the bad X negative on this guy? And the, all, all the other systems are positive. Let me investigate. And I love cases like that when I randomly stumble upon them. So yeah, don't throw them out completely. Just don't, just don't be so reliant on them that you don't do anything else. Don't be cruel to a heart. That's true. Remember true. That. Also that Elvis knows he knew what he was talking about. Elvis was a smart guy. He did until he died on the toilet. Tough yeah, scene. Might not have worked on it. 
Maybe he wasn't so smart. Anyways, that's <laughs> <laughs> that was the dumbest tangent of the show. Um, you already what talked the- about some of your favorite leagues to play, or maybe the best. Yes. Uh, ADP, how important is it to you? We know that it's a predictor of what's happened. It's not, yeah, it's not a predictor. It's what's happened already. So Correct. are you just using it for what the public might be thinking on picks? Bingo. Or- no, you nailed it. You, you should know it. Uh, the people that go the complete opposite way and say, I, I don't. I don't know anything about ADP. I don't, I don't pay attention to it. It's like, well, okay, well then you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball there by not having any idea what's going on with it because you want to know, again, it goes back to what I was talking about with um, knowing the different sites. Where's my sleeper going to go? How high did they rank him? If they put him in their auto draft at 350 and I got him ranked at 220, then I know I can wait a little bit. But sometimes it goes the other way. And ADP is just like that. Where are people going to start thinking, especially if you're drafting on a website? Uh, is he going to be at the top of the queue for three rounds? And then you're going to be like, oh, God, I hope they don't pick him because he's sitting right there at the very top. So you need to know what's going on with ADP. Don't get married to it, but understand it's a range, too. And look at the min-max. Uh, that's the beauty that uh, that we get at NFBC and other sites. They give you the minimum pick and the max. The min-max can almost be more useful than the average itself understand how early somebody's willing to take a guy and how how late they can last and then kind of make your calculations and if you want to uh risk it well said sir that is well said and finally rankings the minutiae of rankings is it important to you or is it pointless do you find it exhausting or is it really an important tool because you want to see where other people are rankings not just your own I, I, it is important to me. I like to see where everybody is on things and then kind of learn. Like I said, a lot of times the gaps aren't as big as we think in particular category or in particular positions, namely starting pitching. I think really, I, I call it the glob. Uh, and there are multiple globs where the talent just really starts to cluster for like 30 pitchers. Uh, but I, I enjoy getting in there and kind of making my adjustments. But like I said, I can look at one thing one day and then change it, change like 25 players the next day and nothing really changes. It's just kind of learning a few more things about a guy and the feeling kind of changes. So, you know, you don't want to get too hung up on it, right? You should know where your tiers are. I know some people are, are against tiers, but I think they are useful in understanding where the groupings of talent are that you see, right? We're not perfect. We don't know. But if you think that these 14 players belong here and then it's a tier of like six players, then maybe you can wait on the play, the tier with 14 until later. But then when there's only six players in this tier, maybe jump earlier. So I like to understand where all that is. I do like to compare my rankings to others. And uh, I enjoy the ranking process. It can be, it can be stressful and and tedious, but I, I do enjoy doing it. All righty. Well, hey, Paul Spore has given us some insight into how he sees his own fantasy process, and hopefully that was useful and helpful to you. We try to give you guys as much as we can with these people like Paul because they know what they're doing. They've been around. You know, they're not just. Uh, no, that's old. a bad reference. I was. <laughs> you're old. Yeah, old. you're old man. I'm about Pass to be 40. I'm a, I'm a man. I'm 40. Not yet. Can't say that. But soon. No, you can't. Me and Deary can say that. We're men. We're 40. You guys are over 40? We We're just exactly. turned 40 in August, yeah. Oh, congratulations. That's exactly. right. You guys have the same birthday. I'll be 40 in October. So Beautiful. What day? October 24th. Hey, all right. Same birthday as Drake, the oh. rapster. I've heard of him, yes. He and was on uh, that show I used Cosmer. to watch when I was younger. Degrassi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Stupid Eric Hosmer. That's not cool, man. I don't like Eric Hosmer. 
Clearly. You don't like the ground balls? Uh, no, I don't like his attitude. Google oh, Eric Hosmer ooh. and Eno Zaris. Read his article about being in the uh, being in the Kansas City clubhouse. I've held oh, a grudge against him ever since. Great. Dun, dun. Some, yeah. Wow. <laughs> don't be an I asshole. Something to, I got something to do tonight now. That is awesome. Well done. That's a bottom line right there. Yeah, I have that. Right. I have that sounder too. I don't know if you could hear it on mine, but I, I have that on my soundboard. I believe you. I believe that you do. Of course you do. Because who doesn't love Law and Order? It's the best. Right. Okay, now it's time for Shine or Ride the Pine. This is where we give projections, and you guys say, Shine, I'm taking it, or it's Riding the Pine. Only because it rhymes. That's all it is. That's love it. It's all I got. Uh, we're going to use, this is a new one. We haven't used these yet, I don't believe, so far, dearie. We're going to use Dan Zimborski Zips projections mm. today. Switch it up a bit. Usually, we no, we haven't. Pa- We've never used zips. Yeah, it's always, we it's always Paulo. Used, uh, it's always Stomper. Paulo, we use HTC on occasion. So let's use this. Good. Zips Switch it today. up. Zip All right, up. here we go. Are you ready, Paul? Yes, I am. Yay! Let's start with Herman Marquez. 186 points. Pass. Well, it's 0.7. 186 innings pitched or more. Yes or no? Pass. That's a that's a ride. Yeah, that's, that, that's riding the pine there for me. Um. <laughs> Boy, here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna expound a little bit. I know I'm probably gonna be quick on these, but it's more so that I'm not gonna get 186 fantasy innings. He may reach that threshold, but you cannot use him for all of those because half of them <laughs> come at home. So I think like I'm passing at least in terms of fantasy that you should probably cancel out. I would say at least 80 of those, um, and hope that the home road breaks your way with more road. But yeah. He's just too tough to trust. You know, he's not as egregiously expensive as he was last year um, and the year before coming off of that hot 2018, but I still don't really trust him. And I don't want to take a guy in like the top, what, 40-ish starters that you can only start half the time. So, you know, I'm I'm passing on that because you cannot use all those innings. That's the reason I'm doing that. Okay. Ride the pie. Interesting, interesting take. Um, I love me some Herman Marquez, just not in Colorado. I've had him the last two years, and yeah, it's like debating whether I'm starting him or not. I think he gets those 186 innings. I mean, they don't have much else going there, but God damn, I wish he could move on to a new team. I, 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 I think he's, style. I think he's a special talent. Yeah, get rid of Story, get rid of Marquez, Story, get rid of all Marquez, Gray, Hampson, get them all out of there. Get them to teams that'll use them. I would love that, but they're not going to do that. Oh, well, there it is. That's why we ask these questions on Shine or Ride the Pad. Next up, our old pal. Well, I don't know if he's our old pal, but he's a, he's a friend of ours, a friend of mine. You know, Donnie Brasco. Remember all that? So. Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz. Will he strike out 108 or more batters? Or, to put it another way, 14.65K per nine or better. I'm gonna I'm gonna shine on that. Ooh. I think so. You know, that's uh, his last three years. He's been above that mark, and I think he gets a little extra heat for his 2020 that he doesn't really deserve. I think because he gave up a homer in his first or second outing, and it looked like here we go again, same old, same old. <laughs> but if it? you really wow. break it down and look at what he did from that first blown save on. He was incredible. I mean, look at the full season. He had a 175 ERA. Now, 125 whip. The whip was a little high because the walks were up there. But he wasn't giving up hits, and he was striking everybody out. So, yeah, if you take – if you get rid of those 
uh, he had a blown save in the second appearance, and then he gave up a run on two walks in the third of an inning in his third appearance. So just get rid of those first three. Lop off the first save as well, which he did have in his very first appearance. From that point on, 23 in the third innings with 16 hits, 45 strikeouts, and a 116 ERA. Edwin Diaz was excellent for August and September. I'm going to shine on that, and I think he's going to be one of the one of the reliable closers this year. I'm buying him. Booyah. Deary? I love me some Edwin Diaz this year. I think he has a huge season. I think the Mets are competing for that division. And you can't lose out when you get a guy who's going to strike out 40 to 45% of the batters that he grabs or goes up against. So I, I'm a huge believer in Diaz. So that's a shine all day. Did, did you say that David Mendelson sent in an email earlier? Is that who you read it from? Yeah, he sent a comment. Here it is again. There it is. Love Paul Spore, one of the best guests we've ever had on the show. You know what? <laughs> F that dude, okay? Because we're in the same TGFBI league. I'm going to kill him this year, okay? Yeah. Oh, there it is. Big announcement. A live announcement. Yeah. I love That's that guy, intense. but uh, we are in the same league. And, uh, ooh, uh, Max Freeze from Freeze Stats, also oh. in my league. Brad He's Coleman. He's going to be on the show uh, in about a week or so. Ooh, all right. Uh, yeah, no, it's going to be tough against uh, David and Max and Brad and probably the rest of the league, too. I just don't know everybody in this league. But, yep, I got my league. So yes. uh, it's going to be going to be fun there good good luck david i'm excited for this <laughs> let the games begin and embarrass me i already know it well you went from being high to low stay high okay ready how about this one our yep. old tiger pal max scherzer remember him i do good, good times with the tigers Eventually. he's getting older he's gonna be 37 uh he's not a youngster anymore but he doesn't have as many miles on him as you might think because he got a late start in his career in terms of coming up to the majors mm-hmm. uh, can we expect 27 starts or more from max scherzer paul shine baby I, I i will not bet against max i understand some of the troubling uh things he had go go wrong for him in 20 that he kind of grinded out and you know Ended up having a mediocre season relative to his extremely, extremely high bar. And yes, he'll be 36, but I'm not particularly worried about it. Um, Again, I'm just not going to bet against him. I don't see anything that really suggests that I should bet against him in a full six-month season. I'm going to shine on that 27 starts. I think he's going to get closer to 30. He's going to be one of the handful of guys that actually pushes toward 200 innings. Deary? Yeah, it's a shine for me. I, I trust in Max, and they're going to keep competing for that division out there. That's just, I think, the toughest division in baseball. So they're going to need him to throw close to 200 innings. So, uh, yeah, it's a shine for me. How about this one? Uh, I, I swear I'm reading this right, unless I'm on the wrong page, and then this is all just a moot point anyways, which, hey, I guess it's Maybe. possible. But Yeah. I double-checked it. I triple-checked it. Chris Sale, 121 innings pitched. Shine or ride the pine, Paul? Ride the pine? No way. Right? Wasn't he getting that many innings? Like, he had it in late March. He had his TJ, right? Like, he shouldn't even be back until, like, May or June. I'm I'm so out on guys. Their, their return year from TJ, as a general rule anyway, I'm surprised that they're giving him that many innings, and it is a good bit higher than the rest of the group, too. So, no, I, I, I got to pass on that. And I got to pass on the projections as a whole, too. A lot of these projections have him coming back and just being himself, Chris Sale. And as much as I love him as a pitcher when he's on, coming back from TJ, I got to see it first. So I'll be happy to be wrong. If he ends up coming back, kicking butt, I'll give him a call and say, 
he he beat he beat the projection. But you should you should fade everyone coming back from TJ that very first year back. Okay, dear. What about you? That's a no for me, Doug. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if, I don't know if Dan listens to the show. I'm sure he doesn't, but I swear I'm looking at this properly. Unless these are not. Would you say what you said? One twenty-one. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah I that's it. that's what it is. I yep. don't see how he gets. Stars. I don't see how he gets to that. I mean, he's still he'll be 32 this year. Red Sox have him under control, I think, till 2024. So he's still pretty young. But like to Paul's point, you can't buy in. You got to wait a whole nother year to really fully buy in on a, a guy so. like Sale coming back to TJ. Okay, cool. Well, good. Thanks for verifying. I'm not crazy. Crazy. All right, let's see. How about this guy? You may know him from such outings as... No, no I don't have a good uh, follow-up yet. Denelson Lament. Can we expect 124 innings pitched or more, Paul, from Denelson Lament? How many? 124. I'm going to sell that. Uh, I'm going to ride the pine on that too i'm not a huge Nelson lamette guy and he did make me look foolish this year uh in 20 i will grant that i i i didn't really see a whole lot coming from me he ended up having the best pitch in baseball with that slider and he had a great year um i'm not getting overly hooked on the two-month season though and with the health issues now i will say zips is the lowest on him at 124 and two-thirds uh, but I'm I'm fading all of that. I'm fading him pretty hard this year. And it's more for injury concern than it is for performance. But I also am leery of his performance. I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's a superstar. He's a two pitch guy still. Nothing really changed from that aspect. Deary? Yeah, Lamette's one of the guys that I'm avoiding because I, to your point, I don't think he's going to get those innings. And you know, Zips has him at 124. And that's lower than what uh, you know ATC depths part the depth charts and uh, steamer all have uh yeah i can't buy into just you know last year's amazing 69 innings but he's never gone over 114 innings and that was in 2017 and you know there's a lot of other guys there in san diego that can step up so this is one of those things where you probably see maybe a six seven different type of guys you know type of rotations for you know the padres you still have adrian Marone, you know several other guys mackenzie gore we'll see if we see him so i don't think Lemet's getting that many innings Booyah. What about this guy, Luis Castillo? He is a big-time stud in the world of fantasy baseball this year. 3.63 ERA or lower, Paul. Are you going to shine that? Yes. I am going to shine that. I'm a huge Luis Castillo fan. I still don't think we've seen his best. Um, I just love what he's able to do. I'm a sucker for a younger arm. Now, he's he's you know starting to establish himself a bit. But right off the rip when he came up, he had elite changeup and I'm a sucker for a guy who comes up with an elite changeup because usually the young player has like you know good fastball good breaking ball and needs to develop that third pitch changeup that was not the case with Castillo and you know if that slider gets any better watch out I mean I don't know if it necessarily could he already has a 15% swing strike rate excellent uh, command of that changeup yeah I think he's going to have a, a huge 363 I think he crushes that I think he's closer to where he was in 20 which is 320 dearie yeah i ride that all day that's a that, or not ride that shine that all day i mean shine he's got some of the best stuff in the game and his last two years 2020 and 2019 he was actually better at home than away so <laughs> this guy's probably going to be one of your five best era stat stuffers for the 2021 season corbin burns he's a hot 
dude, he's on fire. He's growing. He's expanding in terms of his his power. People love this guy. And yeah, he, he blew up a little bit last year. And he might blow up some more in 2021, Paul. But will he blow up to the tune of an 11.13K9 or better? 11.13. 11.13. That's, that's pretty severe. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the pine on that. That's a little high. Uh, I think with a full six month season, he's not gonna quite be trending up at that level. I think he'll be down a little bit, little bit lower than that. I'll put him still above nine. I think he's gonna live in kind of like the ten range, but eleven something, little higher than I want to go. I'm gonna sell that. I like Burns, so don't don't take that as a negativity on Burns at all. Sure. By the way. Zips has Corbin Burns projected to pitch less innings than Sale, <laughs> just for the record, which is very fascinating. Zips yeah. has him at 115. All the other four projections have him closer to 150. That's And I think that actually tells you a lot on why that K per nine is at 11.13. Right? right that would, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what, what do you think, though, dear? Are you taking it or are you riding the pine? I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it. I like Corbin. I, I like Corbin Burns a lot. I wish I was getting him at the ADP of last year, which was incredible. Uh, you know, he's really hopped up there. I got him in my top twenty, so I'm, I'm gonna say shine. Yay! All right, that's wonderful. That's what we're talking about. How about a couple of hitters here? Jose Ramirez. Will Jose Ramirez be able to score 98 runs in 2021? 98 runs or more, Paul. I got. I got to ride the pine on that just because that team around him. Now, if he gets traded, of course, that could totally open it up. But I'm going to operate as though he's going to be on Cleveland. So as a Cleveland player, I'm going to say no. You know, I, I love Fernando Reyes, and I like Eddie Rosario a little bit, but I don't think they got enough juice to get him all the way there. So I'm going to ride the pine on that with uh, with Jose Ramirez. That's a fair caveat. Uh, if any trades happen or something like that, all of these projection predictions are voided. Here, what about you? 98 or more runs. I love the player, but it's not his fault he's not going to reach this number. I have the yep. Indians as one of the you know five to seven worst offenses in the league, so they're going to really, really struggle. Uh, be interesting to see if they actually are in a race in the Central and if they make any moves, which could boost him up a little bit, but it's going to be ride the pine right now. Okay. Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays. That's a fun lineup. A lot of excitement in Toronto, Canada. My girlfriend's from Canada, by the way. It's awesome. Bo Bichette, 27 or more steals. Shine or ride the pine, Paul? 27 oh, or more steals. Completely ride the pine on that. I am actually, uh, I've been formulating a little bit of a theory this offseason that uh, Bo Bichette might be our latest George Springer, Jock Peterson type who ran in the minors and then just doesn't quite get it done here at the major league level. I think he's a little bit faster than they were at his age, but uh I, you know, he's eight for 13 as a major leaguer. I grant that that's only 75 games, but I don't know. I just, I'm a little nervous that the speed might not translate. Maybe that's just not going to be part of his game. Plus teams can get cautious on the bases and they can put a yellow or red light on their guys too, which makes it even more treacherous. So I'm going to ride the pine on that. I made this same argument with the signings of Simeon and some of the moves they're making and the knee injury last year. I am expecting a mass reduction in stolen bases for Pichette. I don't expect him to run as much. That, I'm taking a different viewpoint, but agreeing with you in the same token. Uh, Deary, what about you? I mean, I just don't think... Like, that's a lot of stolen bases. Like, you don't see right? many guys get over... 
20, 25 stolen bases. And I don't think he's going to actually have that many opportunities in that lineup where he's going to have the ability to steal. So I think he gets to double digits, but 27 is a lot. So it's going to be ride the pine. Ah, well, we appreciate you being honest with us, dearie. You always are. Carlos Correa, here's a guy that he brings up a lot of curious conversation about him. Can we expect Carlos Correa to have a 354 or higher OBP, Paul? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think Carlos Correa is a little bit, you know, he got, like you said, he does bring up different uh, questions about him. And obviously Houston Astros got a spotlight on them that they put on themselves. I do not feel bad for them. Uh, but a 354 is right around league average. And I think he'll, or right around his career average, excuse me. And I think he'll continue to be in that realm. I know he was a little bit down this year, uh, but I think Carlos Correa gets back on track. I think a lot of the Astros do actually, even if fans are more prevalent. I just think our ability to hold grudges as a, as a, you know, uh, a society, I think it can wear down a little bit after the year we had in 20. I don't think Houston's going to catch as much heat, even as fans start to dot the, themselves into stadiums based on different states that allow players in. So I think that, I think they're all going to get a little bit better out Tuve, uh, but Correa 350, 354, you said, yeah, give me that. I think he's going to have like, uh, I'm gonna put him for a 366, a little bit higher than that. Calling his shot. Big year. Big year. Here we go. Yeah. What do you say, Deary? The question will be how many games does he play? So, again, looking at Zips, Zips has him playing 25 to 30 games less than all the other projections, and that's what has him at 354. Mike, you know this. I'm not a huge Correa fan. You know, he's often injured, hasn't been fully healthy for a season since 2016, although he did play in 58 games last year with 326 OBP. The guy's still young. Uh... I mean, he's what? He's like 26. Feels like he's been in the league forever. Uh, 354. I I need to stick with me just hating me some Carlos Correa, so I'm going to say ride the pine here. Whit Merrifield of the Royals, a 286 average or higher. Shine or ride the pine ball? What was it again? I'm sorry. 286. 286 on the batting average. I think I think what Merrifield can definitely do that. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and shine on that. Um, that's even a good tick below his career. Yeah, he was at 282 this past year, but over 300 the two years before that. I'm going to say ride that. By the way, little little breaking news: Jonathan Scope back to the Tigers, yes! four and a half million. Let's go! I'm all right. I'm very excited about that move. I, I really am. I, I you know Tigers aren't making any big noises here or anything, but I think that's a nice little pickup there. But anyway, Merrifield shine on that batting average. Let's go. That Scope deal just one year, Paul? Yeah, one year, four and a half. <laughs> so kinda, boring. Keep kind of uh, putting him in as the placeholder until we see if Paredes and uh, Castro are the, are the guys for the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah, it's boring. Okay, but you're right. Hey, it's a it's a simple, small deal. Fine. I can live with it. And he hits home runs to left field. It's easy. These well, are the deals so- they should be doing, right? You know, like yeah, Robbie Grossman yeah. and Scope are not going to make you do backflips, but these are the kind of guys they should be picking up. You know, they're, they're smart. Not keeps do- you competitive. Yeah, they're not going to do the big-time moves. They should be doing it. They should have gotten David Dahl, though. And I think they should have pushed hard for Profar. 
So those are two guys who are a little bit younger and they were free agents. Anyway, not to derail that back to Merrifield. That's a theory. great point. That's a great point. I totally I like agree that. with that. They really should and have been in on them. I love the you know the Crone deal last year. Those were smart yep. little deals. And yep. If he would have been healthy, he would have cranked. Crone and Scope. You know, if they could have stayed healthy for the full sixty, I think they would have gone crazy together because um, they had done really well in Minnesota. If they bring Crone back, I wouldn't even be against it. Although Candelario breaking out probably makes it so that they won't. This is getting scary. We're giving Avila and Illich a lot of credit here. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm nervous. If they sign Taiwan Walker, I'm going to end up giving him a ton of credit. Woohoo! I dare you. Uh, 286 or higher batting average for Whit Merrifield. Yeah, he's a 300 hitter in my eyes, so uh, I'll take uh, Shine. Really? Okay, that's fine. What about Paul DeYoung? Now, there's been some trades, and the Cardinals have been making some moves. I don't know what we could expect from Paul DeYoung necessarily, but can we expect 23 or more home runs from Paul DeYoung? Paul. Yeah, unless he misses a good bit of time, I think he'll get to 23. Uh, with with relative ease. Like, I think he's a high 20s kind of guy over a 140-game sample, right? That still gives him leeway to miss darn near a month. You know, they can still miss 22 games and play 140. So um, I still build in some leeway, and he's going to crush that. So, yeah, I like him for 23. Uh, I like him to beat that for sure. Eerie? Yeah, I mean, he's a flyby, flyball guy, home run fly ball rate for his career, 15.2. Uh, didn't really do it last year too much, but if he's healthy, I'd say, yeah, he, he uh, shines on this one. Fabulous. Okay, and finally, last one, Tim Anderson. I find this one to be very interesting because I love me some Tim Anderson, but I'm just not sure what we can expect from the steals department. The projection here from Zips is 18 steals. Shine or ride the pine, Paul? Hmm. It's a tough thing because, like, as the team gets more competitive, they can tend to slow players down a little bit and say, hey, don't run out of innings because we're really competitive now. But 18, I think, is a fair number. You know, he's been somebody who's been uh, mostly healthy throughout a lot of his career. So I think, you know, staying on the field, giving him a full projection of 150-something games, I think he gets to 18. You know, I wouldn't put him down for, like, 30 or anything. And he's only done over 18 once, but that was in 153 games and he did 17 in 123 games in 2019 so yeah i'm gonna say he stays healthy and gets to 22 calling my shot again booyah finally deary what's your call yeah i think he eclipses 20 hangs around 22 or 23 and uh it's gonna be a shine for me Woohoo! there it is shine around the pines in the books with paul spore we did it yay woohoo Oh, man, we talked so long. I was, yeah, this is another long show. We just get caught up in so many fun, different conversations. What can I say? I don't apologize for it. It, it was fun. No, no need to apologize. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, so much. Uh, it's been a extreme pleasure talking with Paul Spore. We finally got to do it. Guys, everything is he was advertised to be. And I got to say, this is why we do this, you know? I am... Really grateful we had the opportunity to do this, Paul. Thank you so much. Uh, I mean, people know who you are, but if by chance there's nobody or there's somebody who doesn't know who you are, tell them where to find you and what they could look for from you over the next month or so. I'm very grateful for you guys having me on. I really appreciate it. The best place to follow me is on Twitter at Spore, S-P-O-R-E-R. I tweet out my articles there and let you know when I go live on Twitch. Even if you don't play video games, you don't care about MLB The Show, we got people in there who don't even have a playstation they don't have a console they couldn't play the game if they wanted they're just there for baseball and they want to you know talk about the signings as they happen talk about trades as they happen that's what we're doing there in in the twitch so don't feel like you have to be a video gamer to come out come on out check it out see if it's something you're interested in uh i stream five six nights a week 
um, in addition to all the podcasting and writing that we're going to be doing. Obviously, for me, once the last snap of the Super Bowl happens, that's the opening bell for baseball because that's when we get all the football folks back and everything kicks into high gear. So this Sunday night, you will see me tweet, it's baseball season, right as the Chiefs are polishing off their victory against Tom Brady and the Bucks. So look for that tweet. And that's when it's it's all forces go, baby. Let's go. We got our TGFBI slottings. Things are coming into place. It's game time, baby. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Our pleasure. Yeah. And Deary, tell people where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, see Deary99. Not much has changed since I talked about last night. <laughs> um, well, you never you know, know what? what episode people listen to. Yeah. That is true. true. What I'm really starting to try to dig into is because growing up as a baseball player, so much of analyzing baseball is feel so i'm trying to watch as much video as i can of pitchers and hitters from the last couple years so i'm trying to write down a get a big list of guys that i'm really kind of need to dig deeper on than just their statistics so i think that's what i'm really going to try to dig on in on this super bowl sunday and hopefully i'll uh, throw out some tweets on some of the findings i have from that Look forward there it to it. is. Great. All right. Well, thanks to Paul Spores. Been a pleasure. We got to talk a little bit of Tigers. We should have talked some more Tigers, but this is not a Tigers podcast necessarily. That's just a reason to have him on the show again another time. We'll do Thank it you. when we're three and one after the first week and we're in first yeah, we're, place. and we're feeling high on ourselves. Exactly. I love it. Riding high. All right. I'm Mike Gobier. I'm one of the hosts of the show. MJ Gobier on Twitter. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Two L's. Two Utah. Z's. Give Never me two. Forget that. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you much for everybody. Uh, uh, I'm out of breath. Uh, I'm going to explode here. I've had too much fun. Thank you. Godspeed. Godspeed.